26th regular meeting of the Medford City Council will now come to order. Clerk Kirby, please call the roll. Council Caraviello. Present. Council Del Russo. Present. Council Knight. Present. Vice President Lungo Kern. Council Marks. Present. Council Scarpelli. Present. President Falco. Present. Seven present. Zero. Uh, seven present. Would everyone please rise to salute the flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Uh, Mr. President, a motion to suspend the rules for a presentation from the administration. On the motion of Council Knight to suspend the rules, seconded by Council Scarpelli. All those in favor, all those opposed, the rules are suspended. Council Knight. Uh, yes, Mr. President, uh, it's been brought to my attention that representatives from uh, the mayor is actually going to join us this evening to address the crowd concerning uh, the Mystic Avenue corridor paper that's before us this evening. Thank you. Councilor Marks. Thank, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, you know what? I, I find it ironic that uh, there's been two public meetings, and this is the second one regarding the Mystic Ave corridor, and two council meetings regarding the Mystic Ave corridor, of which the mayor has yet to show up at any of the four meetings. Council Marks, if I may. Mr. Pre Mr. President. If, Mr. I may, if I may. The mayor's here to make a statement. That's, that's great, Mr. President. But I, I just want to state also, the way the mayor can make a statement, I'm entitled to make a statement as well, Mr. President. And I think it would have been helpful when this was originally presented to us as a council back in June, Mr. President, after the mayor having a year and a half to work with the Metropolitan Area Planning Council on this, a year and a half, and not even have the dignity to present as the petitioner this proposal that impacts the entire Salt Method area and the entire city. But I'm glad and pleased that I'm gonna to hear tonight, at least for the very first time, the mayor's vision, Mr. President, and hopefully master plan on what's gonna happen on Mystic Ave and not just zoning changes. And I thank you for the time. Thank you, Kat Thank you. Thank, thank you, Mr. President and Councilors, for this opportunity to address you this evening. The proposal to amend the zoning ordinance for the Mystic Ave corridor that is before you has received a great deal of attention. That is a good thing. Dialogue and discourse are at the very core of our democracy. The corridor is a gateway to the city of Medford and is home to many businesses and jobs. It deserves the attention of city government. Following a technical assistance grant through MAPC and MHFF funding, MAPC was retained to conduct outreach sessions with stakeholders to create a vision for the corridor, and many of you attended, as did I. This vision culminated with the development of the zoning amendment before you this evening. This amendment would enable Mr. Gav to be a mixed-use zone similar to station landing. The discussion that followed at both the informational meeting that occurred at the Committee of the Whole last week 
and at the planning board public hearing on the very next night, brought out clearly the depth of the various suggested amendments and the need to have these amendments fully considered, discussed, and discerned. I agree that the process has to take the time needed to produce a cohesive zoning amendment reflective of the many perspectives that various stakeholders may have. This is and always has been a work in progress. In addition, on June 11, 2019, paper 19462, I submitted to the City Council a free cash paper that you approved to fund a zoning consultant to review our zoning ordinances in a comprehensive fashion. You have worked with our Chief Procurement Officer and Committee of the Holes to develop an RFP for said consultant. I believe the latest draft is in your committee for discernment pending a September meeting. As it appears that the 90-day requirement for Chapter 40A may not be sufficient for reaching consensus, I am hereby withdrawing my zoning amendment. I am requesting, though, that this draft be submitted to the zoning subcommittee to be worked on in earnest for future deliberation, and we will fully participate in that process and the subcommittee process. I thank you. Thank we have you a paper. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Burke. We have official letters that the city messenger can take. Thank you, Mayor Burke. Council tonight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, I, as one member of this council and as one member of the zoning subcommittee, uh, thank the mayor for her leadership in this regard. I think uh, the process was one that was somewhat flawed from the start, and it's something that uh, we need to look at in a different light. And uh, this will provide us with the time and opportunity to do such. The confines of Chapter 40A require us to act in very deliberate time frames and by withdrawing the paper and asking that the council examine it through the subcommittee process in reporting out a paper uh, after proper public vetting and after uh, the proper number of meetings necessary to get input from the general public I think is uh, a wise move Mr. President. I thank the mayor uh, for taking this step. I feel as though it addresses and alleviates a number of concerns that we have a council have had as well as a number of concerns that those in the community have raised relative to the process. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, I would uh, actually, Council Scott Pellet. Uh, thank you, Council, uh, Council President. First of all, I appreciate everybody being here this evening. I think that uh, this is government uh, at its finest. I think that last week at our subcommittee meeting, we brought up some uh, pretty, pretty important questions, uh, different studies to be looked at, education, traffic studies, infrastructure, police, fire, just to say the least. And um, to come back and listen to the concerns of the community and the mayor coming back tonight and, and taking this paper off the table, I think it's a great step forward. And uh, it's something as the chairperson of the zoning subcommittee, uh, something I know that Council uh, Longo Kern brought forward was the zoning, having the zoning consultant look at that. I know that we're on that committee and bring, putting that as our first item and uh, ranked as number one high priority, I think. So I appreciate the mayor to come out tonight and uh, listen to her constituents and the concerns we had in the council and moving, um, moving back on this paper. So I thank you very much and appreciate the, the community for getting involved and sharing their, 
their concerns and their issues. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor thank, thank you, Mr. President. I, I see it a little different. And I think people that showed up tonight, I think wasted their time, Mr. President. And, and, and the reason why I say that, Mr. President, is that this is the fourth meeting. The mayor had a year and a half to work on this. If the mayor was truly interested in public input, there was ample time to get public input. The mayor was interested in doing political favors. And that's why this was hastily pushed to us the day before we recess for the summer because the clock was ticking that we had to act. So this was all orchestrated. This wasn't just, hey, I want to do something as mayor. This was all orchestrated for a particular issue, Mr. President. And that's what happened. And that's how this unfolded. Whoever, talk to anyone that does planning. You don't offer zoning amendments before you have a vision and a master plan. That drives the zoning amendments. It's not the reverse. And that's what took place in this community, Mr. President, without the proper public input, without the Chamber of Commerce being at the table, who's appeared before us on two occasions saying, please, slow down. And I guarantee you, Mr. President, if it wasn't for residents like Gene Nozzo, who passed out flyers, And if it wasn't for the reverse 911 call that was prompted by this council to get residents up here in the middle of August, that this would have been ramrod right through. That was the intent. So the mayor's wise. She knows there's a big crowd, and that's play to the crowd. But it speaks volumes, Mr. President, on how transparent government really is. And I'm disappointed, Mr. President because I think we could do so much better as a community. I think we all realize that Mystic Ave needs to be revitalized. But we have, as my council alluded to, we have to take a look at the needs. We have to address the impact. If you're gonna have thousands of units, what is the impact on the school system and the enrollment? What is the impact on the infrastructure? Can we handle it in that area? water, sewer, and everything else, electricity, everything else in, in that area, Mr. President. These are the things, Mr. President, that um, I don't believe that we ever had any proper time to properly vet this. And, and I just want to state, Mr. President, I'm not going to kick a dead horse. The mayor can withdraw, and that's fine. The mayor withdrew, Mr. President. But it took a month and a half to come to this decision. And I can just tell you, last year, October 3rd, 2018 in the transcript. <coughs> the article entitled, Burke met with mayors from 14 nearby communities on October 2nd, 2018 <coughs> to discuss the regional housing crisis. That's admirable. To combat the Boston area housing crisis, the mayors of 15 communities, including Mayor Stephanie Machini Burke, <coughs> pledged to add 185,000 new homes to the region at a press conference on October 2nd. The mayor's quote, in conjunction with the Metropolitan Area Planning Council, now that's a state agency, Metropolitan Area Planning Council. For a year and a half, they didn't do any planning at all with the mayor. All they did was change zoning. No planning at all. So 
Metropolitan Area we recently completed a master plan for Method Square. This is the mayor's quote. The major areas of focus include economic development, vitality, land use, sense of place, transportation, connectivity, open space, quality of life. These are the many guiding principles of the Metro Mayor's Task Force. Sounds like a great process, Mr. President. However, the second half of this, in addition, this is the mayor's quote, we have focused on the gateway to Method, the Mystic Ave Corridor. It currently operates an underutilized commercial strip and is designated for planning and zoning changes. What about the Metro Mayor's Task Force and their guiding principles? What about having a master plan first and a vision? That's not good enough for Mystic Ave? So this would, would leads me to believe, Mr. President, that this has been ongoing in the works for a year and a half to put housing, nothing else on Mystic Ave. We all know what's going to happen. The commercial tax is double in this community compared to residential. Now this ordinance or this zoning change does not eliminate commercial businesses. But over time, what's going to happen is developers are going to come in and they're going to offer double what the property of Mr. Gav's worth to put high-rise buildings there, which is going to create chaos in the South Method area. And slowly but surely, we're going to deplete the commercial base, which, by the way, is going to increase taxes for every residential taxpayer in this community. And we're going to end up with a strip of five, six-story apartment buildings and nothing else. No community feel, no community open space, and no reason to go down there, Mr. President. And this is why I think we have to take a step back. And what I've said from day one, I'm not a Johnny-come-lately on this. From day one, Mr. President, we have to look at overlay districts along this mile stretch and other unique opportunities I tell people all the time, Mr. President, if you're a senior in this community and you're 75 years old and you can no longer maintain your home and you need assisted living, guess what? Bye-bye, Method. We don't offer assisted living. It's not one of the opportunities. And we have one of the, I think, fourth or fifth highest senior population in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Fourth or fifth largest senior population. Senior housing, a two-year wait for senior housing. Talk about community needs. You know, affordable housing, Mr. President. We have seniors in their home right now that can't afford to stay in their home. They can't afford the taxes. They may own the house outright, but they can't afford the taxes. And we're displacing seniors, Mr. <coughs> President. No vision at all in this community. The original intent of this was to create jobs and keep the jobs that we have. I would submit to you, Mr. President, this does away with jobs on Mystic Ave. We've asked this administration, this administration, not the previous, which we've asked also, for three and a half years now, Madam Mayor, we haven't looked at our zoning in 30 years. Zoning is the lifeblood of a community, and it's our responsibility as a council. And with all this boom going on, we need to take a look at our zoning, and we need assistance. 
For three and a half years, we've asked the mayor, can we hire a zoning consultant? And for three and a half years, we got the runaround. And finally this year, Mr. President, in June's budget, we got allocated, I believe it was 40000 and we're in the process of going through the RFP and so forth, of hiring a zoning consultant. That way we can make an educated and informed decision when we have our meetings, when we talk to residents and business owners on what our vision is for the gateway of the community. And not just a quick fix, which was the mayor's approach. A quick fix, Mr. President, at 11.30 at night, the night before we prorogued for the summer. And a few of us fought against it, but guess what? It passed anyways. The first time ever I can ever recall a zoning issue not properly being vetted, especially one of this magnitude, by the council that was sent directly to the planning board. And in the planning board's recommendations, Mr. President, they talked about a number of issues which I agree create design guidelines for Mystic Ave. These are all things that are going to be time-consuming, um, and I, I think they, they merit a, 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 a long look. But the, the Community Development Board said a few things, Mr. President, that are troubling. Right now, special permits that are issued, a lot of them are issued by the City Council. We're accountable to the 58,000 people of this community. They wanted to, in their wisdom, take it from the City Council and put it to an appointed board, which is appointed by the mayor, that has no accountability to the people of this community. Go on the website under the Community Development Board. It lists their names, but no contact information at all. So try to get a hold of people on the board. Try to give your opinions. Not going to happen, Mr. President. So we have to maintain, Mr. President, the integrity of our neighborhoods. We're all in favor of development. But development for the sake of just developing, developing doesn't make sense. That's addressed community needs. That's addressed neighborhood needs. That's addressed traffic impacts. There was just a report in the paper about Salt Method, and you can't get through it. Let's add another 3,000 apartments and see how fast you can get through Salt Method. No thought, Mr. President. No, no consideration, no thought at all, Mr. President. So I'm, I'm glad the mayor retracted her paper. I think it should have happened a month and a half ago, to be quite frank. I don't think it should have been presented at the time it was, in the fashion it was, Mr. President. And I think the mayor should have been, at every meeting, presenting her vision as the chief executive officer of this community. The leader of this community has failed to attend four public meetings regarding her petition. And then she finally shows up on the White Horse, waves the flag, waves the flag. And say, look, look what I'm doing for the people. Look what I'm doing for the people. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Mark. Vice President Longo Kern. Um, thank, thank you, President Falco. And thank you to my colleagues who spoke as well. Um, first of all, I want to thank everybody that, that came tonight, um, everybody that worked, whether it was online or I think people were putting flyers out, people who were posting, I think, on Facebook just to educate the public about what happened on June 25th and this zoning change that would affect our entire city. If it wasn't for people educating um, 
our residents, and it if it wasn't for everybody that's here tonight, um, this withdrawal would not have happened. So I thank you as a city council member who has been fielding the phone calls. People, I mean, people felt that like this was a crisis. To one mile stretch with the zoning changes that were on our plate, um, it, the zoning changes that really didn't make sense. You could have a, a kennel next to an apartment building, next to a two-family townhouse, next to a hotel. Really, lack of vision and lack of planning is what um, I've been preaching since the June 25th meeting. Um, it, and I thank goodness it was withdrawn. The way it went down starting on June 25th, I feel like up until now, it, it's an embarrassment to this community. People from other communities have reached out to me and asked, what is going on? And you, the way you explain it, that they're, they're flabbergasted. They cannot believe what happened to the city council and, and move forward and how it moved forward. So in, in the dead of summer, I, I just want to thank goodness this is withdrawn. I'd like to take this up with our zoning consultant that we finally will hire sometime in the late fall um, and we can move forward in the, in the right direction with, with engagement from the public, public input, public meetings, let's get it right, let's do it right for the for our community, that we need to do it right. We have one time to get Mystic Ave done correctly, um, and thank goodness, all I can say is thank goodness that it turned out this way. Um, to have people scared for the scared for the last six weeks is, at least six weeks is unfortunate, but um, thank goodness this isn't gonna, and I didn't believe that my colleagues, I don't believe there was a majority vote to move this through anyway. So I truly feel that way um, with regards to what we spoke about last meeting and what we've been begging to get answers on, the impact to our schools, our infrastructure, the impact on fire, police, um, our DPW department. We don't have the capacity to make these zoning changes on a mile stretch right away. We need to do it the right way. We need to make sure, we, like as Council Mark said, we don't lose our commercial. We need to make sure we maintain our commercial tax base. It's gone from 20, approximately 22% down to 10 or 11%, the lowest it's ever been. And we need to take a hard look at that as well as many other things before we obviously make the, make the uh, final changes to Mystic Ave. So again, thank goodness. and. Um, I hope we do it the right way starting in the fall. Thank you, Vice President Longo Kern. I'd like to thank um, everyone for coming down tonight, um, especially uh, during the middle of summer. And I'd also like to thank uh, Mayor Burke for withdrawing the paper. I truly believe it's the right thing to do. Um, this is, as my colleagues have stated, uh, this, is, uh, this is an issue that um, you get one shot at it, and we have to make sure we do this right, and we need to make sure it's well thought out, and um, I, I truly believe that we're doing the right thing uh, tonight, or the, the mayor's doing the right thing by withdrawing this. Uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, things that we need to think about with regard to infrastructure, DPW, schools, and uh, that will take time, and I think once we have a, a zoning consultant um, on hand to help us out, I think that will uh, benefit everyone. Uh, but I wanted to thank um, uh, the, uh, the mayor for withdrawing the, uh, the paper and uh, thank my colleagues as well. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, actually, if I may, Council Knight, uh, you had the floor, I believe, last, right? Okay. Okay. If you just have your name and address for the record, please. Pamela Wallace. I'm our homeowner in South Medford. Okay. Uh, address, please. We just, we just need it for the record. 
Could you please, oh, my address, 45 Willard Ave. Thank you. No problem. I have a question for the council tonight. What does a friendly city define and the instructions that the police department has given by the city and what their role is and how we move forward on that? I, I don't understand the question, I'm sorry. You were oh, we're still Mr. on Mr. Gav? Mr. Gav, yes. Yes. So the I, final city is is how aggressive are we moving forward to a sanctuary city? That no, no, no. We're we're, we're talking about Mr. Gav. Okay, we're talking about this tonight too. No, it's not. It's not on the agenda. Okay. We're talking about Mr. Gav uh, zoning. Okay. Thank you. Yes, but okay. I thought this was the time. No, no. I'll circle back. Yes. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So on the motion of Council Knight to move this to... Mr. President, are you allowing conversation about the MAC development? Uh, Mr. President, um, Council Knight has there, the is, there is no paper before the Council. The yes. proposal's been withdrawn. So the paper's uh, with the administration's requested that we take up the text of the paper with our consultant when that time is proper. Um, so I don't, I don't see what there is to talk about. Okay, so the, so the paper has been withdrawn. Uh, when the, um, nothing before the body. In, nothing is, there is no paper technically, be, if I may, there's no paper technically before us right now. So when we hire our zoning consultant, hopefully sometime in the fall, then we will have a subcommittee uh, meeting on uh, zoning, uh, which is uh, chaired by Councilor Scarpelli with members of Council Knight, and Vice President Longo Kern, and uh, they will uh, work with the zoning consultant, and I'm sure the whole committee will at some point to uh, work out um, a plan for a uh, uh, Mr. Gav Zonick. Councilor Marks. Mr. President, I realized the, the protocol once a paper was withdrawn, but I would ask there, there were hundreds of residents that took time out of their schedule. At the very least, Mr. President, if we set aside a minute or two for anyone that wants to get up, Mr. President, and make a statement, mm -hmm. I think that's only appropriate, uh, Mr. President. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Name and address for the record, please. Andrew Castanetti, Cushion Street, East Method, two blocks to your right, Mr. President. I am definitely for responsible smart development. First of all, I'm not sure if anyone here, but I did live on Mystic Avenue in the 50s. That was the old highway to Boston, Route 38. Now, I recollect when they built Route 93 by Eminence Domain. And at that point in time, I would have, if I had the power, to do the redevelopment of Mystic Avenue back in 1960 when they built Interstate 93. It's the best location in all of New England, in my opinion, five miles north of Boston. You can't touch this for, for valuation of real estate. However, this new development might cost us infinite monies as some councils brought up, school teachers, fire department, et cetera. So, and how will all this extra congestion help the average homeowner with their real estate tax bill? In effect, the mayor had told me directly, Andrew, but it's gonna increase the tax revenue, real estate tax revenue, specifically speaking. I said, that's correct, but you're gonna add two and a half percent under Prop 2.5 on a higher inflated number, well over $100 million on our tax levy, 
on real estate, specifically speaking. So therefore, like the Russian lady used to say 15 years ago at this podium, it's like an annuity that keeps on giving. It took me eight years to figure out what she's saying. So all this extra congestion is only going to hurt us homeowners with the real estate tax bills. They're going to go through the roof. So I have a solution if it's viable and legal in this Commonwealth of Massachusetts and your lovely city. And that would be, first of all, when you talk mixed shoes, that's a great idea, like assembly row. But the whole first floor should be commercial, in my opinion. No ifs, ands, or buts. And then above it, we need residential housing. Hopefully it will be affordable, but I, but I doubt that. So, so therefore, I would propose, if, it, if it's possible, instead of the $10 residential tax rate, approximate, and the double $20 commercial tax rate, how about we, we tax the, all the residentials above the first floor at, in the middle at a $15 per 1,000? That would actually help the owner-occupied living in their houses, since no one here has adopted my idea about adopting Mass General Law Chapter 59, Section 5C, which will lower our real estate tax bills over $2,000 on average, as they do it in Somerville, Everett, Malden, Boston, even Senator Kerry gets it at 28 Lewisburg Square. It's unfair. Over 20 years, this law has been in effect, and we are getting taxed. The middle class has been eliminated. Please, consider a mid-tax rate. It's done in Rhode Island. Thank That's you. all I want to say, sir. Thank you, Mr. Cassinetti. Name and address for the record, please. Thank you. Jean Nuzzo, 35 Paris Street, Medford. I have three points I'd like to make, and I'll be brief. Uh, first, I want to thank the mayor for withdrawing her um, resolution. I think that provides a good opportunity for the city to speak as a community about what's best for us. I think the showing in the room is amazing, and I want to thank my fellow residents and interested parties for showing up tonight. It warms my heart to know that people care so deeply about the city. We've had meetings last night as well. Mystic Ave is not the only area that's under um, pressure for development. And I just want to point out that uh, over the weekend, there was an article in the Globe, Too Much, Too Fast, Towns Hit Pause on Big Projects. And it was an article specifically about getting the ratios right, getting what the cities and towns need correct. And a lot of towns that had originally thought outside the box and opened their zoning, like we were just prepared to do, are actually, actually repenting in leisure. They're putting moratoriums. So I'd urge the council, especially considering the fact that we're getting ready to hire a zoning consultant to think about a temporary moratorium on significant development so that we can preserve our neighborhoods and resources while we review and figure out what direction we want to go in. And then I would also urge you to also consider, as you can see from the community interest in just this one small area, thinking about task force and focus groups for the neighborhoods to come together because nobody knows the neighborhoods better than the people who live in them. So again, I thank you very much and I appreciate the opportunity to speak and thank you to my fellow residents through the chair. Name and address Good evening. Anthony D'Antonio, 12 Beale Street, Medford. 
I just came here to, uh, to the podium before on this issue to thank Michael, Councilor Marks, for bringing up the facts that he brought up leading to the mayor's vacating the amend amendment. I strongly believe, and I, I, you know, with all due respect, it was nothing more than a political stunt. And we need to be like the buyer of the property on Mystic Avenue, the old Latin term caveat emptor, because I don't think it's over yet. And if they have an opportunity to get something by, and the citizens in Medford, it's going to be happening. And we have to be alert and aware of what's going down. Thank you. Thank you. Name and address for the record. Rod Martin, 215 Harbor Street. Uh, I'm speaking for two people here tonight. Ann Fretz, uh, 215 Harbor Street, had to be called away because of a health emergency at home that's going on. And uh, she had given me a document here, just to briefly state that she wanted to re remind uh, the council and everyone here, and I'm a re displaced New Yorker living in Medford now. And, uh, it really warms my heart to see such a turnout. This is wonderful. I'm glad to have moved here. Uh, but more to the point, when I moved here, I found out there was a number of gas leaks right on my street, and I spoke to the city council about that in the past. Uh, then we found out about the Broadway Bridge uh, opening uh, the detour to, uh, to rebuild the Broadway Bridge and 15,000 cars had to be detoured through Harbor Street over these gas leaks. And I had written a letter to the mayor about, about that, and her response was, we've got it handled. <laughs> now, the gas leaks are being repaired, and unfortunately, the congestion in South Medford is even worse, and this is how it's handled. Uh, Medford, Harbor Street between Main Street and Winchester has to be closed down every day and on Saturdays too, some Saturdays, uh, diverting all the traffic to other neighborhoods. Uh, this is what happens when there's short-sightedness in the planning. Uh, there was another short-sighted issue that Anne wanted to raise about the municipal lot that was opened up on Yale Street with no plans on how the city would keep it up. And now there's arguments between uh, the homeowners and the city as to who's responsible uh, with the mayor saying the homeowners are responsible. But to the point, uh, the, I think the major issue here is for this community to listen to the constituents demanding that we have long-term planning, something that we'll be able to pass down to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, something that they'll be proud that we have done at this time so they'll be able to have great lives in the future. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Name and address for the record, please. Erin Benedetto, 21 Dearborn Street, member of the Method School Committee. Um, first of all, thank you for all your work and all the time that you've spent all summer working on this and um, listening to people at all of your meetings. I look at this as um, the right choice for Medford right now.
but that also means that this is the time for us to roll up our sleeves, not go home and forget about Mystic Ave until it's a, an issue six months or a year from now. This is the time for us to get busy, to work together, to make sure that that gateway of Medford is developed in the way we see as a vision, the community, the administrators, and the council together. And I would love to see a lot of, I've been going to a lot of committee meetings to learn about what their functions are and how they operate throughout the city. And what I've learned is that they operate independently and then they don't meet together. And I would like to see some overse overseeing in bringing those different committees, historic committee, um, all zoning committee together in one room rather wor than working independently to work with the council and with the, the community members as well to have all stakeholders together at once rather than piecemeal this and have one vision and then bring in the property owners because we don't want to forget them. They own the property, the city have a vision, we work with them to develop it in the way that works best for them to, to make money, the developers to bring in some, some money for themselves, but that, it, that the whole thing meets the needs of our community in the best way, that our schools aren't overcrowded, that our police and fire are funded well, that our streets are maintained in an appropriate way. So this, I say, let's roll up our sleeves, let's work together, and let's move forward. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Council Caviello. While we're on the suspension, can we take papers 19, 523, 524, and 525 out of order, please? Second. On the motion of Council uh, Caviello, while we're on the suspension. To take papers. 19, and 19, Petitions, presentations, and similar papers. Petition for cleaning and dyeing license by Carrie Ann Dane Bennett, 160 Cambridge Park Drive, number 145, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02140 for Wash Vault Lab, 317A, Boston Ave, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155, on file, business certificate number 086, Building Department, Fire Department, Police Traffic Impact, Health Department, Treasurer, Letter of Compliance, State Tax ID, Workman's Compensation, and Petition. Is Carrie Ann Dane Bennett? Oh, please, if we could have your name and address for the record, please. My name is Carrie Ann Bennett. My address is 160 Cambridge Park uh, Drive, Unit 145. Thank you. And you're, I'm sorry. Oh, well, uh, I'm her husband, uh, Peter Cobb, uh, same address, 160 Cambridge Park Drive. Thank you. And I'll turn it over to the Chair Personal Licensing, Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Hang on. Uh, looks like everything's on file is is in place and in order. Before we move on, I know that my fellow counselors might have a question. Uh, I know that when you say cleaning and dyeing, uh, that might cause a little uh, alarming when you say dyeing mm -hmm. and drainage issues and concerns. What is it, can you get, elaborate a little bit more on the dyeing? Um, so we don't actually dye any clothes there. It's okay. just uh, washing clothes. Okay, so, so yep. just a term. Yep. Okay. All right, so I, uh, how many, what's the hours of operations? From 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every Monday day. Monday through Friday or every day? Every day. Seven days a week? Yes. Really? Lots of laundry out okay. there. Okay, yeah, I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how many 
people will be working? Two, usually, uh, sometimes three, depending on the amount of work we have. Yeah. Okay. And parking is adequate for the employees and the consumer. Okay. Uh, thank you. I, I'm Okay, uh, to my uh, colleagues if they have any questions. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. And that's what petition is welcome, and thank you for being here. Um, can you tell me what's at the current location now? Is it uh, a washer and washing? So currently, yes. We have, uh, I think it's 12 wash machines uh, and about the same number of dryers. Yes. And is that what you continue to, that's what you're going to continue That's to what we're going to continue to do, yep. And we have some folding tables. So. Just a place you wash. So, in essence, this is really just the transfer of a license from yes. an existing business owner to a new business owner, but that you're is performing correct. that exact same function there right now if you guys weren't taken over? That is yeah, correct, yes. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, the, the, uh, the laundromat's been in the community there, I think, for about 30 years or so. Yeah. I have no problem supporting the measure, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Councilor Delarusso. Uh, are you going to be doing. Am I on? You're on. Yes. Are we going to be doing any dry cleaning on premises? Not on premise, no. We do have a partner that we work with. Uh, it's in Winchester. We bring the clothes to him. He processes them, and then we bring it back. Very good. Yep. Motion to approve. Thank you, Councilor Delarusso. On the motion of Councilor Delarusso, seconded by Councilor Knight. All those in favor? All those opposed? The item is approved. Thank you. Good luck. Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, paper 19524. I don't. I don't know if uh, our friends from Goldilocks Bagel are here. Um, oh, yeah, good. Okay. They are okay. Perfect. All right. 19-524. Petition for a common vigilers license. Lindsay Gaudet in Edward Thill, 55 Orchid Street, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155 for Goldilocks Bagels, 186 Winthrop Street, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. On file, business certificate number 160. Building Department, Fire Department, Police Traffic Impact, Health Department, Treasurer, Letter of Compliance, State Tax ID, Workman's Compensation, and Petition. Could we please have your name and address for the record? Okay. Technology. Lindsay Goddard, 55 Orchard Street. Thank you. Ed Thill, 55 Orchard Street. Thank you. Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, first, I, I see everything in order, Mr. President. All the paperwork's on file. Everything is passed and, and uh, moving forward. I will tell you the zoning question in the community mm -hmm. has been great. Mm -hmm. Just as important is the Goldilocks. When is Goldilocks going to open? <laughs> so I, We're trying to put one I, more. I t one between more. that and when is the tequila bar going to open? <laughs> Square? We'll so I think that. So We're just trying to get it just right. <laughs> so this is great. So same questions. I know that. Um, you're, you are in a residential neighborhood. I know we talked uh, privately in, uh, at, at an event, and yes. it's, uh, it's a two-person two operation, correct? Yeah, we're hiring people, but so far it's, it's us. <laughs> okay, so I know the product is, I know you've been out in the community already, and, 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 uh, and everybody's excited about it. I think that being in that neighborhood, I know that in the past uh, there, was a, there was a company there that grew a little too fast, and then we had some issues with with trucks and, and overnight, and yes. we still, uh, the hours of operation, what, do, what are you looking at? Uh, we're going to be open uh, 7 to 2, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and 8 to 3, Saturday and Sunday, closed Monday and Tuesday, and we won't have late nights whatsoever. Okay. 
All right. So, I, again, I, I, I'm excited to uh, see everything in order. I'm excited to see you here in front of us. I move to uh, pass this along to my colleagues for any questions, and uh, I see everything in order. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Della Russo. Everything's been addressed. I wish you luck. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you. <laughs> Vice President Longo Kern. My questions were along the lines of um, hours of operation as well. Um, I wish you the best of luck. Okay. I, too, am asked all the time, when is Goldilocks opening? <laughs> you had that pop up in Colleen's months ago. Months ago. And <laughs> You teased us, so be best of All luck, and everybody's looking forward to it. Thank Hopefully, you. yep, we keep the parking and yes, uh, we're going to try to have respect in order, customers. and you'll yep. be moving fast, I'm sure. So, best yep. of luck, and everybody's very excited. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Vice President Longo, Current Councilor Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, again, um, that's been the big question: when you're going to open? When are you going to open? We're going to try. We're um, onboarding staff and training them, so we're hoping to be open early September. Early September. Um, like I said, you know, I've been to many of your pop-ups. Your yes. product is great. Um, and I wish you good luck in the community. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. you. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, I just want to take an opportunity to thank uh, Lindsay and Edward for the approach that they've taken in building out uh, this location. We had a talk maybe a year and a half ago when you guys um, <laughs> said this was something that you wanted to pursue. And uh, when Stone and Sillett was there, they were a terrible neighbor. And um, they, they, they were just uh, really impacting the community in a negative way and really affecting a lot of people's quality of life. Um, just last week, I spoke with your next door neighbor about Goldilocks and what's going on at Goldilocks and uh, rave reviews. They oh, can't good. thank you yeah. enough for the way you're handling yourself. Awesome. You're being a great neighbor. Uh, they have no concerns, no questions, no issues um, during this whole entire construction period, which I know has probably taken a lot longer for you guys than it has yeah. for him. Um, <laughs> he's, they've said that there's been no issues at all. So oh, I really good. want to thank you guys for um, the approach that you're taking in the neighborhood. Um, it was a tough situation down there. We were at a p position we were looking at bringing forward possibly uh, licensed revocation for yeah. Stone and Skillet. Yeah. And now here we are a year and a half later with, you know, residents of the community that have taken ownership of a parcel in our community that was causing impact uh, in a negative fashion to the area and turning it around. And you're creating a great buzz. So congratulations. And I love your logo. Thank uh, you. My support. <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Councilor Knight. On the motion of Councilor Scarpelli, seconded by Councilor Knight. All those in favor? All those opposed? The motion passes. Congratulations. Good thank, luck. You. thank you. Thank you. 525. 19-525, petition by Judy Budney, 97 Mitchell Ave, Medford, Massachusetts, members of Sisters Against Ovarian Cancer, to address the council and to hang teal bows for a campaign to raise awareness of the signs of ovarian cancer. If we could please have your name and address for the record. Judy Budney, 97 Mitchell Ave. Thank you. If you'd like to tell us a little bit about. Yeah. Um, so, Richie Spinali and I are committee members of the Sisters Against Ovarian Cancer. And our mission is to raise much needed funding for ovarian cancer research and increase awareness about ovarian cancer and the symptoms. One out of 78 women are diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and it does not get the attention that it really needs. So in the past, we have participated in a campaign called um, Turn the Town Teal. I'm sure you've seen teal ribbons hanging up around the city during the month of September, which is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. 
So we are seeking approval to continue that tradition like we have done in the past. And uh, for the month of September, we hang up ribbons around the city uh, for the whole month, and then we take them down at the end. And it raises awareness for this disease, and it gets people talking to ask about symptoms, what are those for, and so forth. So that's our mission, is to raise awareness um, and to get people talking about it. Thank you. Council Scarpelli. Um, Mr. Uh, President, thank you. Ms. Bundy, thank you so much. I think this is, um, whenever you have a community member that wants to rally the, your neighbors and for, for a cause that uh, affects so many, I think it's, uh, we're, we're in, in the right, right community. So I, I wholeheartedly support this. I move forward with this resolution. And I hope the neighbors and my colleagues join us in helping with this endeavor. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Carvillo. Thank you, Mr. President. I want, again, I want to thank uh, Richie and Judy and, uh, and Carol Powers for all the work they've done over the years uh, about bringing this disease uh, out to the forefront. But many people who suffer with it and, and don't, know, don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, say it's something I've supported with them over the years. And uh, I hope the community gets behind them. And, and when they see everything teal, support their cause. And you know, they look for money, for donations. And I ask that you know, everybody help them as much as possible. And I, also, I, thank, I thank you for all the work you've done. We also have a fundraiser every spring um, in April, and um, you know we've had a great turnout. And the proceeds, you know, when we raise funds, um, we donate that to the Koch Institute at MIT. And so far, since 2007, we've raised over $250,000. Great. That's not bad for a small group. I mean, we're just a small group. That's, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, we're very people. proud of that. Great job. Uh, thank you, Councilor Carviello. Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, this is a measure that I've voted on in the past, but I've always voted on it with one condition, and it was that your city councilors get teal bows to hang on our lamps here. So I'm asking uh, once we'll again sure if we can get our teal bows as well to support the cause. Um, we'll hang them right here on our, on our lights. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate the work you do. Thank you very much That's for your involvement start. in this endeavor and for giving back to the community and for giving back to those that are in need. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank you both uh, for your efforts on this. It's such a worthy cause. Um, you have uh, probably a couple hundred people in the audience and also people that are tuning in. Uh, if you can give a website or somehow people can make donations, mm -hmm. I, I think it would be worthwhile for you. Yep, our website is um, www.sistersagainstoc.org. So you can go onto that website and there's a link to make a donation directly to the Koch Institute under the Sisters Against Ovarian Cancer. Mm -hmm. And is your fundraiser posted yet or not? Is it's it not posted yet, uh, yeah. but it will be shortly. It'll be posted on that site or is it somewhere yes. else? So if yes, wants and also we have a Facebook page. Okay, can you, so, maybe if you can give. Yeah, if it, it's Sisters Against it's Ovarian Cancer okay. on Facebook. And um, we post about our fundraiser there and any other activities that are going on. Right. Thank you very much. Mr. President, I think it would be worthwhile to light up City Hall in teal blue when the time comes also. Sounds good to me. Yeah.
Thank you, Councilor Marks. I'd also like to say thank you for all your hard work in raising okay. awareness and educating the public about ovarian cancer. So thank you so much, and thank you for all your hard work raising a quarter of a million dollars. That's pretty impressive. So, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for all your help, all your hard work, and. Uh, it actually, uh, so on the motion of Councilor Scott Pelley is amended by Councilor Marks and seconded by Vice President Longo Kern. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You want to? No, I just said thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Councilor Scott Pelley. That, um, we have a lot of people. I know people are waiting for this, and so they're not waiting for long. Um, I know we had a bunch of papers for housing for Tufts University. I know that uh, our community liaison, um, Rocco Dorico, was here. Uh, motions uh, 19529 all the way to 19543. Uh, we talked. We know that we had some um, questions about information that making sure that the residents knew what was happening with the housing. So we've asked if we could table this and send this to a community of the whole. So he can present, they can present this with the PowerPoint. I know that I've talked to a few residents tonight, and uh, what Rocco did inform us, Mr. Rico did inform us that their uh, meetings were positive with the neighbors, the budding neighbors to these properties, and they've come up with a PowerPoint of over 20 um, concessions and understandings between them. So I think it's good community partnership, but um, we want to table. These, mo these resolutions to um, Committee of the Whole. Thank you, Councilor. Uh, if we can. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Okay, on the motion of Councilor Scarpelli. Name and address for the record, please. Erin Benedetto, 21 Dearborn Street, Method, Mass. I'm a, um, a neighbor to Tufts University, and I'm just wondering if they don't get their lodging permit tonight, does that mean the students for this semester aren't able to move into those 11? new two families that have been converted into dormitories? Uh, Vice President Longo Kern. Rucka was here, but if I believe oh, he left. He left, left knowing unless he tabled them. Yes. So uh, Rocco DiRico, who's from Tufts University, was here earlier tonight. He had to leave. Right. I spoke with him while he was here, mm -hmm. but I didn't know he was leaving. And I'm just wondering, without the lodging permit, if that means that students aren't allowed to um, move into that building for this um, until they receive that permit. That, that's all I was asking is clarification, because the semester is going to be starting in a few weeks, and students are already starting to come back to campus. So I'm wondering if this is going to hold up them lodging students. I would hate to have students displaced if they are if they're planning to be there. You know, I, it's not a concern Point of so information, much. Council Knight. In so far as the fact that a representative from the university is here, the representative from the university requested that we have a committee of the whole and the representative from the university requested that it be placed on the table. I don't think that that concern is something that's impacting or affecting the decision making of Tufts University. I, I'm under the impression that since it's in the pipeline, and it's it's just it's been approved by all the department heads with the paperwork here that it's not preventing anyone from moving on to campus. Okay, so, I just okay. thank you. No worries. Uh, thank you. On the motion of Councilor Scarpelli, seconded by Councilor Knight, that 
Papers 19-529-19-530-19-531-19-532-19-534-19-534-19-540-19-541-19-542-19-542-19-543-Be tabled and moved to a committee of the whole meeting uh, in September. All those in favor? Aye. Those opposed, the motion passed. We're under suspension, Mr. President. While we're under suspension, Council and I. Paper Under suspension, communications from the mayor, 19-505, July 12, 2019, to President Falco and honorable members of the Medford City Council, from Ste Mayor Stephanie M. Burke, regarding the loan order for the Andrews Middle School roof. If, if I may, Council Knight, um, I did receive a call from uh, Alicia Hunt, who actually uh, it is actually had a uh, competing priority, so she's going to be here, but she's not going to be until 8.30. I do believe John McLaughlin's here from the school department. Is, is John McLaughlin here? I don't see, I, I saw him earlier, but I'm... Oh, he's out, he's out, he's out, he's out, he's fine, so. President John Falco and honorable members of the Medford City Council from Mayor Stephanie M. Burke, Loan Order Andrews Middle School Roof. Dear Mr. President and City Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body approve the following loan order. City of Medford, Massachusetts, Loan Order Andrew Middle School's Roof. Be it ordered that the sum of $500,000 be and hereby is appropriated to pay the cost of a new roof for the Andrews Middle School and the payment of all costs incidental and related thereto that to meet this appropriation, the city treasurer, with approval of the mayor, is authorized to borrow said sum under pursuant to Mass General Law C44, Section 7.1, uh, as amended and supplemented, or pursuant to any other enabling authority, and to issue bonds or notes of the city, therefore. Any premium received upon the seal of the, any bonds or notes approved by this order, lest any such premium applied to the payment of the cost of issuance of such bonds or notes may be applied to the payment of costs approved by this order in accordance with Mass General Law C44, Section 20, thereby reducing the amount authorized to be borrowed to pay such, uh, such costs by a like amount. If further, if further ordered that the City Treasurer is authorized to file an application with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts Municipal Finance Oversight Board to qualify under Chapter 44A of the General Laws uh, any and all bonds or notes of the city authorized by the vote or pursuant to any prior vote of the city and in connection therewith 
to provide such information and execute such documents as the Municipal Finance Oversight Board of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts may require. Sincerely, Stephanie M. Burke, Mayor. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, I'd like to yield the microphone to the gentleman at the podium to give us a brief synopsis. John McLaughlin, Facilities Manager for the High School. Please have your name and address for the record. Councilors, President, John McLaughlin, 147 Park Ave, Director of Buildings and Grounds, Medford Schools. Thank you. Um, so we, we're, looking to, we're looking to put a roof on top, you know, replace the roof on the Andrews so that we can add the solar to make the building resilient. Right now, we're in the process of putting in battery backup. We've upgraded all the lights, all under grants. And um, we figured that the 20-year bond on the, uh, the solar and the roof won't match up. So we would like to do that. We think it's a win-win for the community uh, with the weather being the way it is. You know, we'll have a building that uh, the community can utilize if there's ever a need. Thank you. C Council Knight, did you have any questions? I'm satisfied with the explanation okay. from the gentleman. Thank you, Council Knight. Council Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, is the roof that's on there now, is it, is it in need of repair? We did an infrared scan. There are some spots on it um, that do need to be repaired. What we're talking about doing is uh, cutting the cost down, <clears throat> excuse me, going up and making the repairs, and then layering a new roof over it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that'll have a 20-year guarantee. And when will this project start? Uh, I assume that uh, Alicia will get the uh, ducks in a row as soon as the money, if, or if the money's allocated. Will this, uh, this be done during when, when school is in session? Or? I would say next summer. Next summer? I, you know, I don't think they would want to do it while school was in session. Thank you. Thank you, Council Carriello. Just to answer that question, I did talk to Alicia Hunt about that, and she said that it would not start until the kids are out of school. That's what I was told. Thank you. Councilor Marks. Uh, John, what's the life expectancy of the roof now? Uh, a roof, any roof in any building, is probably close to 20 years. So we're at about 19 on that. So, so we're very close to life expectancy. Correct. And if you were just to do repairs to the roof, what would that cost? Um, the only... If, if you're talking about the possibility of doing repairs on the Andrews School roof and then put in solar, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I have, um, in the schools, we, I have a, a roofer that we bring, and they've been up to Method High School a couple of times every summer. We've been to the Columbus this year. We've been to um, Method High School again, and, and the McGlynn. And they go over and they, you know, um, check the roofs out for any leaks and go over them with a fine-tooth comb. And it's about $2,000 per time that I hire them. Right. So, so, Mr. President, based on the fact that we're, we're 19 years into the life expectancy, mm -hmm. this project probably won't happen for another year, it sounds like. Uh, it, to me, it would be prudent to do uh, the solar and the roof at the same time. Correct. So I would motion for approval, Mr. Thank President. you, Council Marks. Vice President Longo Kern. Um, Long, along the same lines as well. Um, so 2000 to do a repair every time you call the company. Um, have, have any other roofs been replaced in any other school? Besides the science lab roof, uh, the B building roof at Method High School, not at this point, not in my tenure as director. Okay, and do you feel that there's other pressing needs other than a roof that can be repaired? 
And then well, obviously um, when we need to do a new roof, we're, we we're going to have to do Mefford High School sooner than later. So after we do the Andrews, or if we do the Andrews, Mefford High School would definitely be the next uh, building that we'd want to go to. Which one's worse? Uh, Mefford High School is. But the only thing is with the, with the, with the project and, and the benefit to the community, it kind of, you know, I, I can bring the roofer up and keep repairing Mefford High School for another year or two, year or two, keep repairing it until we get the funds to do it. And, and the, the expenditure to do a roof at Mefford High School, you're talking about $5 million. And can you, can you explain the benefits? Well, the benefits of it would be the roof doesn't, you know, the, the roof doesn't leak, I guess. The benefits with regards to the solar? Oh, um, the solar, well, the, so what we're doing is the Andrews School is going to be able to go off the grid for three days. So if we had an issue, uh, weather issue or any related issue that the power went down, we would have a legitimate spot to bring the general public where they could, you know, uh, go to the Andrews. Everything's on the first floor. The air conditioners, the heat, the cafeterias. Yes, in case of anything. So, I mean, I just, I wasn't the biggest at first with the project until I thought about it and I thought the benefit to the community. I was thinking more of the school department. And then I said, you know what, we got to look at it as a community, uh, something that's good for the community. And, and that definitely, uh, you know, with the weather being the way it is, you never know. You know, we might, we might need it. We might have to utilize it. And, you know, you have the senior centers here. And if we had to evacuate them over there, I think it's a worthy project myself, personally. And when you talk about money savings, do we have numbers on what the solar will save us and electrical That would costs? be Alicia. That, that's kind of, um, that's her, her expertise. And she's here in about 15 minutes. Yeah, that's. You'd have to wait. You'd have, you have to come to the podium. That's, that's how it works. Sorry. But, but we, we have to, first of all, we have to. Just on this map. I'll yield. Okay. Just on this map. Okay. I'm just wondering, uh, Mark Esposito, 35 Willard Ave. Thank you. I'm just wondering, so we're talking about possibly the Mystic Air Project, possibly increasing this place by 150,000 more people, right? So wouldn't that building. Did you say 150,000 people? Well, that's what you—that's what everyone stated about the residents that you want to build on. Well, no, we don't want to build no. anything. Well, we, we, that was withdrawn. It was told Thank that goodness. it was increasing by 150,000 people. That, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know where that number came from. That's. No. Oh, oh. Boston. But if it's increasing, Eastern so Mass. if okay, so, so that number is obsolete. All right. Yeah. So say it is increasing, right? Mm -hmm. And now we were talking about our infrastructure with our police, fire, schools. Can't we patch it? Because that school might be obsolete. And we're going to be dumping money into a place that's going to be obsolete. Why don't we see what the projected um, increase in residents are? So because possibly the new school, uh, you know what I'm saying? Why would you, why would you? Point of information. Point of information, well, point of information I, get, I, don't, I don't know if you were here. We tabled that because I think that we have to do a more in-depth study on that corridor. So we're not even considering that right now. So just so, just Correct. so you know but that. If so. It, but you said you were going to move forward with that project on this, you know, possibly going down the right avenues, doing it right, right? Well, wouldn't this be part of doing it right? Wouldn't this be part of... By closing the school? No, no, not, not closing the school. Why dumping 
money into a new roof and solar if the school's going to be obsolete because we grew over 150,000 or whatever, what, you know, 50,000 or 60,000, and we need a bigger school. I, 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 I tell you what, if we, so that means we need a bigger school with so a brand new roof. If we thought of that, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> So, if we thought that way, we'd be in trouble. So the, the number that, so just to clarify, the number that Councilor Marx quoted, I think, was maybe for the Greater Boston area. Right? Yeah, no, 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 units. Correct. In the Greater Boston area. In the Greater Boston area. So, do we know how, how, how what's coming in here? We, we have you know to figure what I'm saying? that. Out. Where our infrastructure has to grow with police, fire, schools, and all that. We, that would actually that would be figured out when we have the zoning consultant come in. Uh, I would think that there'll be a lot of talk about that number of units and that type of thing. What would be the uh, impact on the infrastructure, the schools? I mean, the issue that we're talking about right now is the school putting and the solar new roof on the and solar. Correct, but they won't put. I'm under the understanding that they will not put new solar on a roof if it's not a new roof, and that roof is met. It's pretty much its life expectancy. And once, from being a prior school committee member, I know that once those, once the roof gets to a point where it's met its life expectancy, right. it goes quick. But if and the capacity of that school is already a capacity and we're putting more people into metric. That's something that would have to be addressed, I would think. But that, that, that building is hopefully, if we maintain it, is good for another 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years. Exactly. We'd probably be adding another school somewhere else. Yes. Thank you. I'd like to table this and if, after all the questions. She's here. Alicia. Alicia's oh, here. Perfect. I hope I answered her questions right. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. <laughs> if there were the questions, uh, I believe Council uh, Vice President Longo Kernet Council is about the solar. Yes, the the um, cost savings once solar's in. Can you provide us with the, with the benefits of that? Good evening. I apologize for being late as I uh, spoke to the council president last night. I'm actually on the board of one of our churches and I had a board meeting this evening, so I was hoping to make both meetings work uh, in my schedule. Thank you. So I apologize. Um, so just to be clear, and uh, it perhaps makes sense to, to back up just a tiny bit, but I apologize, I don't know everything that has uh, been discussed so far, but the, um, so the roofs at the Andrews and the McGlynn schools are 18 years old, and at the rest of our new schools are 16 years old. They're all out of warranty. Um, that's not to speak to their condition. We've had a lot of interest over the years in solar on our municipal buildings. Why aren't we doing solar? Don't you lose money by not putting solar on them? It's such a great deal. And the reality is you can't put solar on a roof without a 20-year roof warranty on that roof. That's just the bottom line for doing it. Um, however, uh, about two years ago, I came and spoke with the council about a grant we have to do resiliency, climate resiliency, to look at having the DPW and the Andrews schools as buildings available off-grid in the event of a long-term emergency, a period where we would have no power in the city. And I think we've seen other communities lose power for days on end. So this grant allows us to do battery and solar storage at the DPW, which is fairly well in process, and at the Andrews School. We've been working with, excuse me, sorry, Marianne O'Connor, who is our director of 
emergency preparedness as to what we would need to use this building as a shelter if we had no power. What power would we need? What would we need online? It happens to be our only school that has, um, oh, thank you, both um, the cafeteria and the gymnasium and as well the kitchen all on the first floor, which is part of how we identified this location as a building that we would want to prepare for emergency use. So I'm picturing a scenario potentially where there's a bad storm, something happens, there's a power outage in the region and it's summer and we have people who need to be on ventilators or who have to be in cooling, you have elderly because it's 90 degrees every day. This building would have enough electricity to power that sort of electricity. Maybe people who don't need to be in the hospital but need to somewhere to cool to sleep at night. In the winter, people maybe who need heat who can't make it through. So that's sort of what we've been picturing and what we've been designing the load for. So we have grant funding that has helped with a number of the portions of this, including we'll pay for the battery storage and the electrical upgrades needed to make it operational. Solar these days is cost effective. It essentially pays for itself. One of the things that we've been doing in my office over the past two years is trying to determine if there was a company or an opportunity to actually get solar and have the solar finance a new roof on the building because, like I said, you have to have a 20-year warranty on the roof to put solar on it. And basically what we've come to is it is not possible with the financing currently available to finance the roof through the solar installation itself. Therefore, we're asking for bond money to replace the roof. Does the roof need to be replaced immediately right this minute? I'm not prepared to argue yes or no on that. That's sort of not actually what we're looking at. Will it need to be placed, replaced over the next five to 10 years, two to 10 years? Well, it's an 18-year-old roof with a 15-year warranty on it. So like, regardless of the studies we've done on it, it's reasonable to expect that it will. So we are asking to replace this roof first now so that we can then follow it with solar battery and make this building available as an emergency shelter in the event of a, a large emergency in the city. Um, we are expecting the majority point, of the work to be done Point of information, next Council summer. and I. Just a quick question. Mm -hmm. Sorry, and I apologize for interrupting. Um, so we spend the 500000 tonight to get the new roof put on. Mm -hmm. We have a grant that's going to help us out with the battery storage and the electrical. How much are we going to be looking at paying out of pocket for the rest of the solar project? So we have, the grant itself requires a match of $83,000 that we actually appropriated um, about a year and a half or two years ago that's already sitting in an account that has been funding some of the, the, star, the startup work of this project. Um, I am not anticipating needing to come to council for any additional money. I will be coming to council for permission to sign the solar contract when that comes. It'll be a 20-year contract the way the DPW one was. So it's safe to say that if we appropriate this $500,000 this evening that we won't see you again until you come here and say, sign, let me sign this piece of paper so that we can have the solar and resilient building? Well, you won't see me on well, this, this project. This project this I don't project. promise I could be here oh, back, be back next month with some other thing uh, going on. I can't predict that. Um, but we have a very big budget on this project with grants that we actually have a second grant feeding it that's held by a company that's helping us as well. National Grid's been providing some incentives and assistance with it as well. Um, 
I don't see there being need for additional money. Honestly, this is because the state, when they first put out this grant, said, we're not paying for school for roofs, we're paying for off-grid capability. So, yeah. Focus on, thank you for the answer, I appreciate it. And through the chair, uh, um, President Falco, so the $83,000 match, how much is the, is the grant that the city? So it's the grant itself, this grant is the DPW and the Andrews School together, it's 833,000. But we actually got that grant extended at the DPW. The battery turned out to be more expensive than that. And sorry, it's, this is perhaps the most financially complicated project I have worked on. We received an additional $260,000 from the DOER for the D DPW battery um, because when we put it out to bid, it was more expensive than anticipated. Um, and they, so they fronted additional costs on. And what are we looking for co at co for cost savings once the solar is replaced? So the solar, the co what it will cost, sorry, one time. So you're looking for the annual savings on the solar array. Mm -hmm. Is I'll, I can give you a number. I will also tell you it's extremely difficult to predict because of the evolving solar market and the solar incentives from the state different regions, their caps are filling up. There's a lot of technical in it, um, but I brought that number too. It was not an impressive number. Um, but as I said, the project is designed around resiliency and having an off-grid capability and not a for the straight up dollar savings. I think I left that one on the printer. So we're also planning to be using it for something called demand response. And for that, we're looking at an annual $10,000 a year for demand response payments once the battery is in place. And that we have to pay? Um, so we're looking at twenty or five thousand dollars a year savings based on the what we wouldn't be paying for elect like the electricity offset what we would have paid for electricity versus what we'll pay for the electricity off the solar array. Um, mm -hmm. We are also planning for this project to do both roof-mounted solar and a canopy in front of the Andrews School over some of the parking in order to produce enough electricity to support the needs that Marianne thinks we would need to run this as a shelter in the summer and winter, we actually need both arrays to produce enough electricity. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other questions from the council? Okay, on the motion of council tonight, seconded by Council Scarpelli. Clerk Herdebees, would you please call the roll? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, before you do that, if we could have your name and address for the record, please. Hi, Cheryl Rodriguez, 281 Park Street. Um, I know that we have a lot of capital needs. I did attend the um, committee meetings with the school committee about this project, and this roof isn't urgently in need of repair. So 
there are a lot of school things that are in need of repair, so it seems a little premature to do this to save $5,000 a year. Um, we have a brand new library bringing broken ground on. They just moved the library out of the building. We're building a $34 million library, which would be an excellent shelter. Um, as a parent, I am not going to, my student is going to the McGlynn Middle School, but I'm not sure that I would want her school to be used as a shelter given the issues that we had with security. Um, just having people being able to come in and live in the school because there's emergency. Also, we need to, to factor in uh, where are the children going to go if they can't have school, if this is a school day. Uh, this just seems like a problem that should be pushed down for, for solar right now on this building. I don't understand why this building. Why not the police station? Why not the library? Why would we take a roof that we still have money in that doesn't need replacement and replace it prematurely. So I would, I would consider not doing that just because there are so many urgent needs. You can't even get the high school, forget it, with the heat, people getting burned on the radiators constantly and we're talking about taking down a roof that doesn't need to be done. You would never do that at your home. If your windows fell out, you wouldn't say let's replace the roof and let the windows stay on the ground because we only have money to do one. So I think we need to prioritize this. We have one more. Uh, name and address for the record, please. Amory Cunha, 871 Medford, Mass. I'm sorry, 871 Fellsway, Medford, Mass. Um, I just, I'm not here to say or express my opinion on the solar and non-solar because that is something that really needs to be discussed more thoroughly, in my opinion, and have everybody work together. But as a former school committee member, I really implore everyone to really think about the maintenance. The first thing that we did, and it was a joke 19 years ago, but 19 years ago have gone by, that we used to call the high school the new high school. It finally lost its name because we got our new schools. Well, now the high schools are addressed as the high school, and the rest of the schools are still addressed as the new schools, but it's been 19 years. And to keep everything up to par, which is very impossible in a city or a town, um, you still have to be very much aware of the maintenance that needs to be done. And I understand that, you know, the discussion has come up about a roof, but I also do know that we have to be proactive. I'm not saying to go do a roof tomorrow, but we have to become proactive at it. And the maintenance of our schools is very important. So I am not discussing that our city isn't getting larger and maybe we do need a school down the road, but I guess my, my honest and heartly opinion on this is because of putting in so much hard work with the community, with the administration, is that we cannot forget the maintenance. It's like your home. I'm not saying that if your family gets larger, you're not going to go and buy a new home to accommodate that. But in the meantime, you don't let your home become, a, you know, in disarray or not repair things that need to be repaired. And I remember one of the biggest arguments was when we were doing the schools and over the years has been we've done them let's maintain them so it's very difficult when there are budgets that you need to discuss but let's not forget that we need to keep our schools in good condition thank you uh, vice president longo uh, just thank you i think think the speakers made a good point and it is one of the questions um 
questions I have with regards to the need, the capital needs of the schools, but also uh, that, that was a good point with regards to a, sh a shelter in a school. So can you just maybe explain how we came to, and I don't know if the council thinks maybe this should be done in Committee of the Whole to better understand um, and make sure that this is the, the right choice. I'd love to see the capital needs of the school outlined and go over those as well, maybe before we take this vote, but how did we get to, because uh, a roof for 18 years that may have 10 more years of a lifespan, I, I, you would not have my vote, but considering that it maybe needs to be a shelter and with, with regards to the grant and the solar, it, it, it's swaying me in the, in the other direction. So I'm not sure if a committee of the whole meeting might be um, the best avenue, but how did we get, for tonight, how did we get to the Andrews being a sh shelter versus the police station or the library or city hall? Right, so to be clear, um, it's extremely common that when you're looking at large-scale shelters, you look at places that have gymnasiums, that have large open areas where you can put up cots. You look at places that have cafeterias where you can cook foods, prepare, reheat foods, where you have water, where you have sufficient restrooms. That's what you look for in a shelter. And when we're talking about a shelter that's in a situation where we need the system we're putting in now, we're talking about an off-grid situation. We're talking about where there's no power to the area for multiple days in a row. There will be no school held if there is no power in Medford. I mean, that's just sort of the way it is. Um, so we're looking, this original grant came out after Hurricane Sandy, where there were neighborhoods that had no electricity for weeks and weeks. Even on the Cape this past summer, there was a tornado and there were towns that had no power mm -hmm. for days on end. We've had winter ice storms in Western Mass where they had no power for two weeks. In a situation where the city has no power for a week, we're not going to be holding school. We're gonna be saying what spaces do we have where we can take care of our elderly, our frail, our weakest, our babies, and the hospital isn't going to just be enough. And we've talked with Tufts, and they know that they'll be a shelter, but they have all their own residents as well. Um, so this is talking about a location that the city controls, that the city owns, where we have, would have cots, where we can provide meals, where we can provide electricity, where we have easy in and easy out. Um, the library is lovely. I'm on the building committee. I'm very excited about it. But it's going to be a tiny kitchen, and there's not really going to be room for 100 cots in there. You would not want to be using that as a shelter. Although, you know, given the right situation, I can't predict what would ever happen. You might be looking, what is every single place we can put someone? Mm -hmm. You would never use a police station as a shelter. You need to be running your emergency operations out of the police station. Mm -hmm. I think that that's sort mm -hmm. of the the basics of it. We are not talking about having it for, you know, a day where people could have been somewhere else or schools in session. This is under extreme situations. And everybody says, not here. I hope it never happens here. But we just can't predict that. Things are changing. They're changing rapidly. We're seeing larger storms. And we don't know. With I hope to God that we don't have a storm or a problem like that here for 20 or 30 years. But it's roll of the roulette dice. The roulette wheel, wheel sorry, I'm not a gambler. You know, it's a roll of the dice. And you never know when it's gonna hit your community. And so we have the opportunity now to prepare one of our buildings to have this sort of to have this going on here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Another 
resident. Uh, Councilman Knight. Ms. Hunt, Mr. McLaughlin, it's safe to say, you know, absent the solar program, uh, what I heard was that we have a 15-year roof on the building. The building's been there for 19 years, and there is right now, after infrared scan, areas that are showing that the roof is deteriorating. So regardless of the resiliency plan, one could suspect that in short order we will need a new roof for this building regardless of the solar power. I believe that, yeah, I mean, we're going <clears> to... <throat> excuse me, we're going to have to make the rounds at all the schools. It, they're all going to be coming up. So that's why I've had a roofer employed to try to save them, to push them out so that we can system, systematically go through all the buildings. You could do any one of them you wanted. We just decided that the Andrews, with the opportunity that we have for the community to do that one first. You could do any one of them. Thank you. I don't think any of us want to be here saying all the roofs are failing. We need to do all five this coming year. And frankly, right now, the way we're doing it is we're asking for the money now so we can do the bidding process, do the design work, the bidding process, the contracting. This in municipal government, it takes months so that we will be set to do the roof at the beginning of the summer and come in immediately afterwards with the solar and the battery all next summer. If we actually waited till we had a failure situation, I would hate to see any of our schools having to do the roof during the school year because we weren't proactive. One of the things we have talked with the school committee about is looking at a five to eight year capital plan and starting to put these roofs on there so that we are not stuck in an emergency situation with that, all of them or six, three of them in one oh, year. Oh, I'm gonna be recognized by me. Thank you. Council Della Russo. Mr. President, I just wanna move the question. I think we've discussed it uh, thoroughly. Uh, and uh, I want to thank uh, Alicia and Mr. McLaughlin to, for their leadership in this matter uh, and uh, their exercise of good judgment in assessing what we have to deal with and uh, making a recommendation to spend the taxpayers' money wisely. If I might add parenthetically, Mr. President, I've uh, just uh, arrived home in Medford this uh, Sunday evening from a brief tour of Europe. Um, where I, uh, uh, while watching the uh, European news broadcast, saw several natural disasters of various magnitudes throughout Europe uh, and uh, also was, uh, in a peripheral sense, uh, presence for, uh, present for some uh, uh, civil unrest that was uh, dealt with in, in a standard fashion in Moscow. So uh, in my travels through Europe, I noticed that uh, uh, ample use, uh, both coastally and inland, of wind power and solar power. And they've made great strides on that continent in lowering their energy expenses. While I don't agree with many of the things that they do over there, I was heartened to see uh, the progress that they've made in that area. And uh, also that every disaster that I witnessed on television, whether it was flooding, there was a tornado, near Amsterdam, there was high seas, uh, near Copenhagen, and uh, all of that. Where did they put the people that were in distress? In the schools. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Move the question, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Delarusso. I believe we have one. Would you like to speak on this matter? I would like to, yes. Could you just have your name and address for the record? Once again, Pamela Wallace, 45 Willard Ave. I am a homeowner. I am not opposed to taking care of our children and making sure they are safe at all times. It doesn't appear that this roof 
the solar paneling needs to go onto the school currently. And I think the due diligence needs to be done before coming up and getting a vote on this. What is the maintenance? I'm being told batteries only do lights. How much battery drainage and how many days can it last? With all due respect, and God forbid, my, my family has lived in this community for three generations. And we've never had a natural disaster of great magnitude to cause such, to have that as the number one reason why you should vote on this. The number one reason why you should vote on it, if we truly need it, is the conditions and the safety for the children. Not to worry about a potential natural disaster. What are the chances? And if they are, our city has so many people in it, a couple of schools are not going to house all the people from a natural disaster. It's just, it's not practical. I think you need to do some due diligence. I think you need to get the maintenance that's involved with maintaining these solar panels. And I also think that you need to discuss where the money from the solar, the credit, goes back to. Does it go back to the taxpayers? Does it go back to the school system? They might cut their budget and spend elsewhere, but that also needs to be discussed. Because if we're just giving money and not getting any tax breaks anywhere, and there's no allocation coming back to the citizens of this community, then I don't see it necessary to vote on this today. And I do think that you need to sidebar this and do some due diligence on the true expense of bringing this forward. Thank you. Thank you. Would you like me to speak to the maintenance and stuff? Sure. Um, so when we do a solar power purchase agreement, so the battery and solar together would be through a power purchase agreement, um, it's a 20-year agreement and the maintenance is part of what, what the way it works and I feel that I should preface this because I know it's watched by the audience. I always recommend to a homeowner that you should consider owning your solar because there's money, a lot more money to be saved there and it's a good investment. When you're a municipality, things are a little different and partially because of the 30% tax credit that you cannot take when you're a municipality. Um, so in that case, we recommend doing a power purchase agreement, which is where we pay for the electricity off the panels rather than purchasing the panels. Along with that, the company that therefore owns the panels and the battery therefore is responsible for the, for the maintenance of the panels and the battery and the replacement of those parts as necessary during the terms of the contract. Um, that's standard as you saw in the solar uh, agreement that we brought forth for the DPW. Um, Oh, so this battery is scaled as a size that would handle the lights in throughout the, well, throughout the first floor plus the heating and cooling throughout the first floor load in order to properly serve as a shelter. So this is a fairly large scale. It's a much larger scale than one would put in at their own home. Is there a third point? The maintenance is part of the power purchase agreement, so they're responsible for that portion of it and the way right that the, the the money works is that right now we pay an electric bill and in the future we would pay a smaller electric bill and we would pay a, an electric bill to the owners of the solar company the difference 
the reduction in the amount that we would have been paying to the utility company is our savings. It's not actually checks that are received by the city, but they're actually just we pay less in electricity. Right now, the way our um, electrical bills are structured throughout the city, including the schools, they're paid by the department of that building. So the school system would see that, would absorb that savings, you might say. They'll just have lower electric bills in the future because of that. Um, I did mention demand response for those, and that has payments that come to it. Um, Ms. Nunley and I have discussed this because we have been participating in demand response in a small way and bringing in a couple of thousand dollars a year already through our schools with this. Um, under current law, we have to return that funds to the general fund unless we were to come to the council and do other things that I'm not prepared to go into detail about. Uh, I would ask Ms. Nunley to speak to that portion of it, but if there were actual any credit payments through the demand response, it would go into the general fund unless this body voted differently. Is that, I'm not sure if there were other points that I missed. Name, name and address for record. Um, so I'm in the HVAC industry. Uh, I deal with the, uh, what you're saying, life support, maybe air conditioning, heating. Um, I know how much power those chillers slash boilers slash everything take. So if, so, and, and I'm also, my life is on a roof where these, I, I'm, I'm constantly dodging these solar panels uh, on a daily basis. So I know that, so if we're dealing with a school and we're dealing with the chiller and do you have a um, projected time frame that your batteries crap out on you with a 208 volt three phase or 463 phase chiller um, sucking up all those hertz, how big is this battery bank as well as what is the, if you have kids housed in this school these are what, NICAD batteries or, or lithium, lithium uh, rechargeable batteries that liquid, liquid filled? No, no, no? No. They're dry. What's their acid? The, they're lead, lead acid. Lead acid. So, so if you have kids in the school, what is the, what is the, what is the outcome? Of, like, do these batteries have to be housed in like a cement enclosure? What, you know, that, that in just in case if there's a leak, you have kids in the school. So, what is, what is the ramifications of a lead acid battery leaking out? And, and what is the time, exact time frame that that chiller is gonna stay running? So for all this money, I want that chiller to stay running probably two, three weeks. Do you know how big that battery bank will be to run a chiller for three weeks? That's my point. Thank you. So, I mean, this is a lot more technical than we would typically get into, I, if I was definitely knew I was phasing, handling questions like that, I would have brought our mechanical engineer who's the consultant on the project who's been working with a lot of the numbers. Um, so the batteries themselves are housed in um, standalone units that have their own fire suppression in them and they're located di directly outside of the building. Um, I've been to the uh, location, so they, um, they don't leak, they're lead acid, they're sort of, they're actually, I guess I should be very careful about that because take the, picture your D-cell batteries, massive amounts of them wired together, 
but they're in an external box that is designed for this. We have them all over the country. They come with fire suppression. We've actually discussed it, specifically the one designed for the DPW with fire safety um, through Medford Fire Department has been out to talk to us about it. Um, the way this system is set up, you're right, it would take a really massive battery. And we said, well, that's actually what the issue is with generators and having all this diesel on site. So what happened during Hurricane Sandy is that they couldn't get diesel deliveries. So they ran out of diesel and they couldn't keep running their generators and they ran out of power and it was a huge issue. The way this is being designed with the solar is actually quite ingenious where you run the solar at, so the, during the day, the solar chart runs your building, not your whole building, your, the life safety, the stuff that you need, including cooling, and charges the battery. At night, you power a lot of things down. You try to hold your building at a, a reasonable, safe temperature. And then during the, in the morning, you've reserved a small amount in your battery. The sun comes up, and everything recharges again so that you can go indefinitely on these batteries because you're saving money in, or saving power in order to allow your solar to come back up. Solar can't function without a complete circuit. So if you lose electricity and you have solar on your house, you will not have electricity during the day. It'll disconnect. So it has to island from the grid so and have its, okay. right. And no, excuse me, right. you can't debate back and forth. Okay? So, so I, I, the building islands from the grid and is its own grid and forms its own grid and has the battery to allow the solar to recharge every day during the day. You have to be very careful about how much electricity you use overnight, and that's why we've actually been working with the control systems in the building as well. We've brought in our control systems engineers, and they've been working with us so that this building can function in different states, in normal school mode and in resiliency mode. And in resiliency mode, it's very careful with how much it allows the HVAC to draw off the battery so that you can maintain a, a certain amount of charge on the battery so that even if overnight, maybe from 3 to 5 a.m., you actually have to power your AC down, once the sun comes back up, I'm assuming it's very hot, it's the summer, the sun comes up early, you'll be able to bring things back up again because now you have summer or you've had sun and you, you're maintaining your temperature. So it's actually not designed for that battery to hold three weeks of charge, but that is in fact, I don't wanna say it's cost prohibitive, but it's actually designed to be able to recharge every day, which is why we need solar on the roof and on a carport as well to provide enough. Okay. Please have your name and address for the record. Hi, thank you. Jean Uzo, 35 Paris Street. I just have two quick points, well, three. One, um, typically flat roofs, rubber roofs, have a 25-year warranty on them. So I find it hard to believe that we entered into an agreement with a 15-year roof warranty. I'd look into that. Number two, um, if there's going to be independent ownership of the solar panel system on the roof, with those agreements, typically you give free access to the company that owns it to go up and service it. That could mean that they would want to access that space when our children are in school. So I'd be concerned with quarry checks, the type of people who are coming. Point of information, Councilor Scott Pelley. If I can, being on the school committee for, for, for years, we've done projects 
And I think it's, I think it's just not, it's ingenuous when people come to this podium and starts talking about issues that, that in, school, in the school we would allow people to come and just freely walk through. What's being sent out to the public isn't true. That's not what so I please. said at all. So through no, what chair, you said was that isn't what I said. What you at all. said was what you said was they're going to have to service that roof with the kids in the building. And what I'm saying is, being a former school committee member and a member of this council, I, I have faith in my school committee. I have faith in my my building leaders and my city leaders and the schools that we would never do something like that. So to bring something out to that limit is so disingenuous right now. So please, so stop I've worked doing in, that. I've worked the council in has the floor. The council has the floor. Thank you, Mr. Falcon. Thank you, Through Council the Scott chair, Falcon. I've worked on academic projects. Not and the chair. point, I, the point I have made is that they are allowed free access to make repairs. And the concern is that we should make sure we have constraints that require the necessary quarry checks. That is the state protocol for accessing an academic building. And I would want to make sure we look at that. We, we, That's we my did. second point. The, the, and my, the, the school committee is very vigilant about making I sure I am sure they are. They are. Okay. But Sorry. part of the due diligence of the effort is to talk through these things, which is another point that another resident made. That is part of due diligence. And when we say I want a blanket check to do what I want to do, these conversations don't happen, and then there's unintended consequences, and the community has a right to voice those consequences. And I assure you that I am very genuine in my concern for what is best for this city. Thank you. Thank you. Vice President Longo Kern. Just, just my last question is, last question is um, for Ms. Hunt, to, if, if we were to, table this to discuss it in committee of the whole with Ian bring in the whole cap and leads plan of the school department in September is that is that going to affect any grant or did it come before us tonight for a reason or can, could we table this till a September meeting so our desire is to move forward with the project and put it all out it's a the whole thing is extremely complicated and time consuming um, would a month make a huge difference? There have been a, a number of delays. There are always, I mean, I can't say, no, we can't do it. What I hate to do is for us to always be rushed on the end of the administrative end because we're scrambling. Um, it would be extremely helpful to know if there are additional questions we can answer because we have been working on this for many years and there has been an ex a large amount of due diligence into it and I do feel very prepared to answer um, just about any question. I'm, you know, wondering what other questions there might be. So um, if we had a committee of the whole, I would definitely want to get some input as to what types of questions might come up so that we could have the right, do I need to bring the mechanical engineers as well? I mean, what level of detail is uh, helpful? And if, if, yeah. I hate to interrupt, and I apologize, but the clerk is telling me that this matter has actually already been tabled once. This came before us previously. I think it was, do you remember what meeting that was? The July meeting. Uh, it was It was on the agenda in the July meeting, and it was, it was tabled. 
without any, without any debate. It was not considered at the, at the July meeting. It was tabled without, without being debated okay. in July. It was tabled yes. to a date certain. Okay, so it has been tabled once before. I believe there was a motion on the, on the floor to approve, uh, to approve this uh, matter. It was uh, the, on the motion of Councillor Della Russo. Seconded by, by Councillor Carviello. Clerk Herbies, please call the roll. Councillor Carviello. Yes. Councillor Della Russo. Yes. Councillor Knight. Yes. Vice President Longo Kern. Yes. Councillor Marks. Yes. Councillor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative, the motion passes. Thank you. First reading. First reading. That actually passes its first reading. Uh, Thoughts all night? On page 27, or I'm sorry, on page 22 of our agenda, uh, item number 19539, request to approve a home rule petition exempting labor service positions in the Department of Public Works in the City of Medford. 19539. Page 22. Page 22, 19-539, August 2nd, 2019, <coughs> President John Falco and members of the Honorable Medford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155, regarding a request to approve a home rule petition exempting labor service positions in the Department of Public Works in the City of Medford from the Civil Service Law. Dear Mr. President and City Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable, honorable body approve the following home rule petition to be sent to the General Court to exempt labor service positions in the Department of Public Works of the City of Medford from the Civil Service Law. On December 6, 1921, the Medford Board of Aldermen, by special act, adopted the provisions of Chapter 31 General Laws in the amendments thereto relative to labor service in the cities and towns of the Commonwealth. The purpose of this home rule petition is not to revoke or rescind the city's acceptance of the civil service law, but rather to allow the city to make future hires to DBW position from outside of the labor service list. Once employed, the Department of Public Works, such uh, future hires would have all civil service protection to the same degree as all present members of the department. In addition, all present employees in the DPW would continue to retain all civil service protections that they currently enjoy. The only effect would be that the City of Medford would no longer be required to utilize the labor service list when hiring new employees in the Department of Public Works. This home rule petition is supported by Teamsters Local Union Number 25, which is the collective bargaining agent for the laborers of the Department of Public Works. The text of the proposed home rule petition is set forth herein. Home rule petition, an act exempting the labor service positions of the Department of Public Works in the City of Medford from the civil service laws. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives and General Court assembled and by the authority of the same as follows. Section one, notwithstanding any general or special law to the contrary, the City of Medford shall not be required to utilize the labor service list when hiring persons for positions of the Department of Public Works of the City of Medford per Chapter 31 of the General Laws. Section 2, Section, two, section 1 shall not impair or affect the applicability of all other provisions of Chapter 31 of the General Laws in person holding, holding positions within the labor service of the Department of Public Works in the City of Medford who may be hired on and after the effective date of this Act. Section 3, this act should take effect upon its passage. Respectfully submitted. 
Mayor Stephanie M. Burke. Mr. President, um, I'd like to turn the floor over to a representative from the administration or, or uh, Local 25 to give a brief presentation on uh, the reasoning for this proposal and the impacts that it would have. Yes, please, if you could please give your name and address for the record. Good evening all to the chair. Good evening. My name is Jennifer Devereaux Ward. I'm the chief of staff for the mayor of Medford. I'm at 85 George P. Hassett Road. So this um, home rule petition came out of a memorandum of agreement we have entered in with the team since Local 25 to remove the labor service list from civil service. Um, it's something that has been um, spoken about and discussed um, through lengthy conversations relative to um, having a, a better um, understanding and opportunity to hire um, outside people and not have the confines of an antiquated list. I believe we have all spoken about um, the, uh, the list relative uh, to what we are under right now during budget hearings. And it has been a long-standing um, conversation of what the, uh, how the labor list does inhibit us in respects to getting um, qualified candidates um, out there that are healthy, wealthy, and wise and are able to do a job and not have, again, the confines of a labor service list that can be sometimes 10, 15, 20, 25 years old. So um, I appreciate that this is before the council tonight. I appreciate that the, the work that um, was done with Local 25 specifically, Mr. South, um, to get this forth, to have the agreement, and I appreciate um, the city solicitor's um, input in this um, in this home rule petition as well. So I will um, address any questions, but I will also ask Mr. South to speak as well. Thank you. Good evening, Council President Falco, city councilors, fellow city residents. My name is Stephen South, and I live at 106 Damon Road in Medford. I'm also the Vice President of Teamsters Local 25. Uh, Teamsters Local 25 is a labor union in Massachusetts. Uh, we have over 12,000 members representing over 250 cities, towns, and companies within Massachusetts. Uh, specifically, I'm here to speak of the uh, City of Medford, the DPW employees who we represent. Um, here today to give full support regarding the home rule petition before you tonight. This petition provides that the city shall hire for vacant positions without utilizing the labor service list. All other civil service protections will remain, remain intact. This will have no negative in, impact on current city employees. Uh, it, will actually, it, it will actually be positive for the current employees, the union, DPW management, and the community that we all serve. Uh, this will allow the city to streamline the hiring process, saving time, money, and energy. The current hiring process for the DPW is antiquated, outdated, costly, and inefficient. The hiring list currently is not a test-based list like other positions within the city within other bargaining units. In my experience, it often takes months or even years to fill a single union position using this current procedure. We negotiated this change in our most recent round of bargaining, um, contract negotiations this summer, and the language that we agreed to, um, I'll just bring it to it, effective of, upon ratification, the city shall no longer be required to utilize the labor service list when hiring new employees, all other civil service protections shall remain intact. 
Um, we ratified this with the membership that I represent on July 16 of 2019. Uh, the members ratified it by 90 percent. Uh, so we have overwhelming support uh, from our members as well. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to bring up that uh, as part of these discussions, very positive uh, with uh, City Councilor Knight, with Mayor Burke, with uh, Mrs. Dever and her staff, we are putting together, if, if everybody is able to agree on this and we can get rid of this antiquated list, uh, we are putting together currently an apprenticeship program that we cannot have without getting rid of this list where we are going to work with our high school and our vocational school to train uh, seniors, high school seniors that are not uh, able to or choose not to go to college. Uh, we will train them through the Teamsters Training Fund at zero cost to our uh, community residents, the high school seniors, and through our uh, Medford first, but after those positions are filled, our other 250 cities, towns, and companies, we will uh, actively help these uh, students find gainful employment with strong uh, wages, uh, working conditions, and benefits. Uh, for all of these reasons, we here respectfully request that the council vote to accept and ratify the home rule petition before you, and I thank you for your kind attention. Thank you, Mr. Self. Council Della Russa. Mr. President, um, during our budget process this year, we spoke at length uh, with uh, uh, the Commissioner of Public Works and others uh, present about the difficulty in finding qualified uh, positions in the process of hiring. Um, during the negotiating process, the leaders and representatives of uh, the men and women who labor in our departments of public works uh, and uh, leadership of uh, Local 25 and uh, the city's administration with the apt guidance of uh, Councilor Knight, who's expert in these matters, um, we uh, were at this point and uh, it was agreed upon by the workers. Uh, the workers, as has been demonstrated or explained to us tonight, retain all the rights and privileges uh, granted to them under civil service but it just makes an ease in hiring. We've also talked about ways of how we can find people that come into these uh, trades and uh, the Teamsters uh, with their leadership uh, as, as part of the Allied Council of, of Workers uh, have um, made great efforts uh, in uh, preparing people who are trying to enter these fields through apprenticeship programs. I think this is a wonderful measure and I support it, Mr. President. Uh, it puts us, it helps us continue to make progress in an issue that we've been working hard uh, to tackle over the past several years uh, with the mayor's office, and that's building up the workforce in the departments of public works so that the taxpayers can get their streets paved, their sidewalks fixed, the stumps pulled, and uh, we can continue to plow streets and sweep streets and get the job done. Thank you, Council Della Russo. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President. Oh, shoot. One second. I'm sorry, I hit the wrong button. Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. And uh, Mr. Self, thank you for being here this evening in support of this paper. Um, 
quite frankly, I think this is a win-win for both the city and the working families in Medford. Um, ultimately, what this does is it allows us the opportunity to pursue an apprenticeship training program uh, for employees that want to seek a career in public service and public works here in the city of Medford. Um, the local has made a significant commitment to investing a significant amount of funds to the betterment of this community once again. Um, I don't think anybody can say the local 25 isn't a major contributor here in the community. Uh, they do a great job when it comes down to volunteerism, donating, and, and such. Um, but when we look at the actual text of the paper in front of us, um, Local 25 being involved or not, um, this paper allows the administration the flexibility in hiring, it eliminates an antiquated system, and it gives us an opportunity to still keep workers' rights in the forefront. All of the workers that get hired still have the same protections under Chapter 31 when it comes to promotion, discipline, and discharge, and grievance filing and the like, Mr. President. So ultimately, this allows us to move forward with this apprenticeship program that we all discussed here in the past, that we all voted on unanimously by way of a resolution uh, to send to the administration. The administration has acted on it, and they're saying, yeah, this is a good idea. They took this paper and they sat down with the union. They negotiated an actual vehicle for us to accomplish this goal. Um, so in looking at it, I think it's very important that we support this measure this evening. I also think it's very important to point out what Mr. Self said. These positions at the DPW are not exam-based positions like police or fire. The way that the civil service process works for labor service is you fill out a card and you submit the card to the city and you're on the list. And when the card expires, they send you another one in the mail and say, do you still want to be on the list? And you fill out the card and you say yes. And you mail it back in. And then when that list expires, that's the process over and over and over again. You fill out a card, Mr. President. There'll be individuals that have been on the list since the early 80s, early 90s, that you can't find anymore, but you're still obligated to try to find them, to reach out to them. There are certain steps, certain criteria, certain time frames that are outlined in Chapter 31 when it comes to the selection of individuals uh, to be filling these labor service positions. It is absolutely 110 percent outdated and antiquated, number one. Number two, um, the Civil Service Administration is only as effective as the amount of money that the state invests in it. So if we want to have a successful hiring process here in the city with the Civil Service Commission not investing money into their hiring processes at the civil service level, at the state level, which we saw under Governor Romney where he cut the civil service budget tremendously and the ability to hire municipal employees was actually impacted very negatively during those 9C cuts that he made and the like back in 2000 when we had the recession, Mr. President, um, I think that we're still feeling the effects from that. This is a positive step in the right direction to allow us the ability and flexibility to hire the best and most qualified employees and also partner up with the students that reside in this community to be given a chance to get a job when they get out of high school that's going to pay them not only a quality wage but a living wage with health benefits, with dental benefits, with vision benefits, Mr. President. Those are the kind of jobs we need to create in this community. We have enough Dunkin' Donuts and enough nail salons to go around, but these are the types of jobs that we need to create. We need to provide these job training opportunities for the youth in our community so that they can be con successful in contributing members of our society, Mr. President. I support this measure wholeheartedly and I ask my colleagues to do the same. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Councilor Marks. Thank, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, during our budget deliberations, uh, the one thing that kept on being brought up was the fact that uh, we've been asking uh, the ability to hire uh, our own sidewalk crew. So that would involve uh, hiring people that uh, are proficient in cement and cement finishing. And I believe it was uh, the DPW commissioner that mentioned uh, the issue is that we're not paying enough to get these particular uh, tradespeople on board. And I was just wondering how this would have an impact. Uh, are we going to be able to pay to bring uh, people on board if we're not using the labor service list? 
Does that have any impact at all on that? The wages that we pay our employees are outlined by ordinance. And if we eliminate the labor service list, that's just a list of people that we can choose from. But the position's the position and the pay is the pay. That's right. Out, so that, so that's, that's, that's exactly my that's point, That's outlined city ordinance. Mm -hmm. But so, this also allows us the flexibility to create the apprenticeship program right. and get these so, students So that's exactly my point, about. Mr. President, that uh, this may be a great idea um, in freeing up the process uh, for the administration to have the ability uh, to hire people uh, quicker, but it doesn't answer the question that we've been asking. How do we get these tradespeople that we'd like to hire as city employees so we don't have to hire out every time we need a sidewalk repaired or a curb repaired? And we were talking about, I know Councilor Scott Pelley mentioned it on many occasions, having our own sidewalk crew. And I was just wondering if this would enable us to move in that direction on behalf of the taxpayers of this community because it's of great expense, as you know, to hire out. The quality of work when you hire out is not as um, good, I should say, as uh, when you have someone doing it in-house. And I, I would really like to know whether or not uh, we're gonna be able to uh, put out for positions that we couldn't hire because we don't pay enough to get these people on board. So that, that's my question, Mr. President. Respectfully. Councilor Marks, um, the issue at hand is, of course, talking about the home rule petition relative to the labor service list and moving forward with um, creating and, uh, a nascent apprentice program with Local 25 in the city of Medford. I, you know, there are still budgetary aspects of the, of the, the positions that we do have open. Um, with, within the DPW. I can't speak to having an actual cement crew. The fact that we would be able to fill the, the, the open budget uh, positions with, with the dissolution of the label list. And then we could be at least at complement budgetary wise, and then we can actually see what happens within future budget cycles. to hire cement finishers and people that do cement work to fix sidewalks, but for some reason the city of Method, we don't have that capability and they can't attract people because we don't pay enough, but surrounding communities can do it. So I, I guess maybe this is a question for Mr. Kerens. Why, 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 you know, because that's been an issue of contention with this, mm -hmm. with this council uh, and the residents of this community. So, so I, I, you know, I'm not opposed to this apprenticeship program. I think it's a great idea. You're talking to a graduate of the Method Vocational Technical High School, so I think it's a great idea, Mr. President. But I would also want to know that it frees up uh, the ability for us to hire the, the qualified people that they're talking about. But if we're not paying enough, how do we bring those people on board? And, and how is it done in other communities? It, does Mr. Karens want to add to that, or? It, well, do you draw the shot stick? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I guess for the one that doesn't work for the city, uh, I'll say this, um, and and I appreciate everyone's comments. I, 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 
I think maybe you should come stand with me when we're talking about adding more jobs. We're 100% uh, on board with that. But um, uh, I think that has more to do with adding budgeted positions. I think that's a conversation you guys might want to have uh, at a later date. Um, what, we, what we're really here to do today is, you know, we're, we're having the issue where just in the last month, we've had positions. Now, mind you, a lot of these people on these lists are already employed elsewhere. So Brian and his uh, team bring them in, interview them, send them for physicals, uh, go through this long, expensive, tedious process, and at the end, it just happened in the last few weeks, they get the call, yeah, I'm not interested, I'm gonna stay at my current job. So that's what we're really talking about here today. With all due respect, everybody has great comments, but I think it's just widening the scope of what we're here to talk about, all, all I'm here today to talk about is let's get rid of this antiquated hiring system. If any of you want to meet privately and talk about adding a whole bunch more Teamster positions, I'm with you. I'll meet you at a coffee shop <laughs> or wherever you want to meet. But um, this is really just about the hiring and to be able to streamline that process to where we're not th jumping through 25 hoops. It will be just like everywhere else in the free world. You post a job. You have six or seven candidates come in and interview, and you pick the best, most qualified candidate that, it, that can fill that position. That's, that's really what this is, if I can narrow it down. Um, and I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. President, that, 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 I appreciate that, and I think we all want to hire qualified candidates. My, my question is really geared to, uh, I, I don't think you in particular, to the city administration and the head of DPW, why can't we find qualified people to work on our sidewalks that we can hire in-house and have a crew that we're constantly using to go around and fix our thousands of sidewalks that need repair? And that, that's my only question. And, and I know you probably don't accomplish that through this. Correct. But Correct. I, I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. And if we're looking to hire qualified people, a cement finisher would be a qualified labor worker. And I think that merits uh, discussion. Well, I, I will say one last thing, again, not as an employee of the city, but if, if you want to budget those positions, uh, we have our own tractor trailer and training school. We'll give them a CDL, an OSHA 10, an OSHA 30, a hoisting license, all for free on the Teamsters, and uh, we'll gladly sign them up and put them to work in the city. If you, uh, everyone here kindly puts that in the, the budget, Mr. Well, Marks, and I thank you. As you know, the budget is originated with the mayor, and, <laughs> okay. and, and we can't li add line items to the budget, but if the mayor's on board with that, that's what we've been asking for. So. Well, it, if, if everybody's on, on board, we'll certainly give our seal of approval at the union. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you. Councilor Scott Pelley. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. President. And I thank you, Mr. South, for being here tonight. I, I think that the, um, as we've gone through the last budget hearings, uh, last few years, one of the biggest concerns has been the civil service um, uh, system and finding a way to get people that are qualified into positions that have been sitting dormant because we couldn't, we couldn't go off that list. So um, when you talk about that being an issue alone, it's something that we really wanted to fix. And then the teams is coming in and talking about a benefit that someone can now move into a position where they become a teamster and protected by the union rights as a teamster. I think that's a huge benefit. And then you add the fact 
that we are now moving. I know the council and I brought this forward. I think it's a great idea. We're actually going to be moving our kids from the vocational school out into practical positions where they're going to be trained by, by the Teamsters and moving them forward for a lifetime of success. And I think that, you know, to look at this and, 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 and think anything negative about it is, is, is a shame. I think that I think we're all positive. We're all moving forward. Uh, we understand that the uh, limitations that Mr. Karens has had and moving forward with this by moving away from this system and having the Teamsters lead the way. I'm, I'm ultra excited and I'm, I'm pretty excited for our vocational school kids because they're going to get the first bite of this apple. And knowing the Teamsters and knowing um, phone calls I've gotten, phone calls that trying to help, you know, any resident try to find a Teamster position to get into these positions where they can be trained by your organization has, there's a long waiting list and we know that. And for you to come in right now with the leadership of Mr. O'Brien to come in and allow our community and our vocational school kids to come in and get these benefits, I applaud you and I, I, I can't say uh, move forward with anything positively with this. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for moving this forward in the city administration. I know it's something we talked about uh, during the budget time. We talked about Mrs. Karens's position and not filling some of these key, key positions where all of our residents have questions about our sidewalks, our streets, our parks, our, 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 our water, our sewers, and having, putting people in place by moving this piece away. I know that that was a big hurdle as I talked to Mr. Karens in administration. I'm excited to go forward with it, so thank you. Thank you. Respectfully, we, I appreciate those comments as well. This was a key component that Mayor Burke wanted to make sure that was part of the memorandum of agreement between the, the, the Teamsters, the DPW, and the administration. And it was something that, again, has been discussed and, um, you know, made sure that everybody was on the same page. And again, um, to reiterate that all the parameters of the protection stay in place. Right. However, though, we are able to go outside and now hire. It's a win-win. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. South, you, uh, you talked about training uh, the students coming out of high school. Um, what fields would you, would be, uh, would you, does your group train in? Well, this is still in the, in the works right now, but as part of our uh, new collective bargaining that we signed, uh, the city entered into our training uh, fund where all current and future employees can utilize our training. Just to give you a couple specifics, if you go tomorrow, uh, you specifically, if you want to go get your CDL license tomorrow, you're going to pay anywhere between six dollars and $10,000 at one of these private schools, Parker, Nets, or one yep. of those uh, schools. Now, any city employee or uh, someone, say, a vocational student that the city is going to hire, we will send them to our tractor-trailer uh, school uh, they will go and get their CD, CDL license free of charge. We offer CPR, AED, first aid, all the different hoisting licenses, disaster preparedness, uh, OSHA 10, OSHA 30, all, all licenses and certifications that are uh, pertinent to the DPW uh, positions. We offer all those free of charge to current and future employees and we're working on the apprenticeship program. Well, maybe, maybe the question I was asking is, you know, um, 
maybe with the, with the cooperation of your union and other unions and the trades with the, the carpenters or the, maybe we can train these, these uh, young men and women to be uh, to do cement and carpentry and those type of things. We're, we're open to working with uh, any other union. Certainly we've been working with the I city mean, the, for a long time and, and obviously, you know, I'm not just the vice president of the union. I live right down the street and I'm very committed to yeah. uh, the community well, say, as you are. Yeah, and they say maybe you know we we can get other unions involved in this to train for the positions that we really need. Also, we look forward to it, so, and I'd be more than happy to help you out in any in uh, any kind of program you like to do on that. Appreciate that. Thank you, Councilor Carviello. I believe we have a comment from a resident. Uh, name and address for the record, please. <coughs> Excuse me, Anthony D'Antonio, Gale Street. Where do I sign up? No, <laughs> listen. Um, I just had one question. This whole thing. Who has the ultimate hiring and firing authority? On this, is it Mr. Uh, Herrick, uh, um, is the mayor, or is it each individual department head? Is there a layer of that? You know, where does that go? The ultimate hiring and firing ability would be with the mayor, would be with the mayor, but the parameters would be. Um, Can you speak into the microphone, please? The parameters would still be in place for discipline, discharge, and um, any kind of extraneous issues that are going on with the employee, but the, the hiring firing would be with the mayor. But they would have the representation of, count, of Teamsters Local 25. Thank you. That, that was the question. It was the protection offered under the civil service in the past, and would the union stand by a, a, an employee if there happens to be a disciplinary problem or anything like that? So that's all I wanted to know, where the uh, authority lay. I can answer that. Thank you for that question, sir. Um, as I stated previously, but I'll reiterate, I know it's, it's a little confusing, but the only thing that we agreed with the city in contract negotiations and as detailed in the whole home rule petition is that the city won't have to go off the labor service list with regards to hiring new people off the street. All other civil service protections remain intact for current and future employees. Nothing changes. Uh, with regards to any discipline, obviously we have a grievance procedure and we have just cause language within our collective bargaining agreement and we also still would have civil service protection. So none of that changes. That's a great question, but uh, it's, this is only regarding the hiring process. If that Thank answers. you. Thank you. Thank you. On the motion of Council Knight, seconded by Council Delarusso. Roll call. roll call vote has been requested. Clerk Herter, please call the roll. Council Yes. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, is that one nine five three eight? From yes. So we'll take, we'll, why don't we take one nine five three eight and then we'll revert back. 19538, August 8, 2019, to the Honorable President, members of the Method City Council, City Hall, Method, Massachusetts, 02155, dear Mr. President and Counselors, 
I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body approve of the following amendments to revise ordinances entitled Compensation Plans and Leave Ordinance Chapter 66 Personnel. City Amendment Amendment of, to Revise Ordinances, Compensation Plan and Leave Ordinance Chapter 66 Personnel be it ordained by the City Council of the City of Medford in Chapter 66 entitled Personnel, Article 2, entitled Classification and Compensation Plans, Section 66.35, entitled Public work, Works Personnel, is hereby amended as follows. Add a new position to the classified as Night Watchman in gra as grade PW 10.5, effective 7-1-2019. Section 1 and Section 66.35, effective January 1st, Thank you. And the motion of Council Knight to waive the reading, seconded by Council Caviello. If you could please have a member of the administration uh, provide a brief synopsis of the resolution. Good evening once again, all. Jennifer Dever, Wood, 85 George P. Hassett Drive, Medford, Mass. Um, again, uh, we are very happy to be here tonight um, in having the Teamsters present to talk about the ratification of the collective bargaining agreement with Local 25. This agreement um, is a based on four years and it also um, addresses the health and welfare, safety and education of the local uh, members, our very hardworking DPW staff. Um, in respects to, we had talked a little bit about what some of the parameters are in this uh, agreement when addressing the home repetition. There are um, some things that we're very excited about to have um, to look at. In respects to uh, education, we are now offering stipends to DBW members um, for additional licensing as well as you know CPR AED and OSHA 30 and Haswaffer and that will be provided by the Teamsters because we've entered an agreement with their training fund which is um, so it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fund established to help us train our members with the ability that the, D, uh, that the Teamsters have for a, a fee that would not be there if it was on the outside of the city of Medford. And it would actually be quite, quite costly for the individual. Um, we've also, with plain economics, we've adhered to the 2% that we have in past collective bargaining. Um, we've addressed um, longevity, we've addressed safety. And we, again, we have talked about the home rule petition. So um, on the whole, uh, we could not have been more pleased with the bargaining sessions and the negotiations and the back and forth we've had with the locals. So I'm here tonight looking forward to uh, have this collective bargaining agreement pass as well as the financial paper that is associated with it. If Mr. Selch would like to speak to um, anything, please feel free. Stephen South again, 106 Damon Road. Uh, I'll be brief. We engaged in collective bargaining. We came up with a uh, contract that is both fair to the city, uh, the union, and the members that we represent. Uh, as I stated on July 16, this contract was ratified by a margin of 90%. Um, so we're, we're very pleased with it, and we would respectfully request that the council approve said agreement. And I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Self. Council and I. Thank you. Uh, Mr. President, I move for approval of the first reading of the paper. Thank you. On the motion of Council Knight, Council Del Russo. Uh, I wanted to second that, Mr. President, and thank uh, the administration, uh, Mr. South, and the membership of uh, uh, the local, uh, especially the men and women of uh, the DPW and its various departments uh, for uh, working hard 
it's hard to get everybody together sometimes, but you worked hard through the meetings. And as you said, came up, and it's the perfect formula uh, for successful negotiation. Come up with something that's fair for the city and fair for the membership of the uh, bargaining group. That's done through professionalism, honesty, and polite conversation. And I thank you for your leadership in that. Thank you, Councilor Delarusso. Thank you, Mr. South. Thank the administration as well, Jen, for all your hard work on this. On the motion of Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Delarusso. Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes its first reading. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Yes, you did. Councilor Marks. Excuse me for one second. I want to thank you all, but I also want to acknowledge the hardworking members of the DPW that were here tonight. Thank you. And we appreciate, as always, their daily work. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thank you. <laughs> Councilor Marks. Mr. President, uh, while we're in dispension, we have two items. Uh, paper 19-481, which is the brewery and tasting um, uh, zoning ordinance uh, change, or addition, I should say, as well as paper 19-002, uh, Lawrence Memorial Hospital. And I know there's representatives from the hospital as well as neighbors, I think, still around. And I know we have Mr. Heinig uh, in the back uh, that would most likely like to speak on the brewery ordinance. Correct? Maybe, maybe not. Point of order. Okay. Point of order, Council Delarusso. Attached to the ordinance we just gave to the first reading of and unnumbered as a separate agenda item is the financial consideration for funding of uh, some of the retroactive uh, salary increases uh, included therein, Mr. President. And I'm wondering. Uh, in good order if we ought to vote on that as well. We should. We should take that next because it, it makes sense that it does make sense. Well, they, they have and to that, go one and, after another. And, and, and that's why I made this suggestion, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Delarusso. Can I have the motion number, Council Delarusso? Is it? Oh, is it? Twenty-one. Hmm? Well, I mean, so let Do me we ever have anything this long? August 8, 2019, to the Honorable President and members of the Method City Council, City Hall, Method, Massachusetts, 02155, dear Mr. President and City Councilors, <clears throat> I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body approve the transfer of $59,968 from Executive Negotiated salaries account 010-102-5199 to cover retroactive payments from January 1st, 2019. To motion to waive the uh, remainder of the reading, Mr. President, just give a brief synopsis. On the motion to waive the remainder of the reading by Council Mark, seconded by Council Caviello. All those in favor, all those opposed, if we could please have a brief synopsis of this paper. Uh, good evening, uh, Honorable President, Honorable Councilors, Alicia Nunley, Benjamin, Finance Director for the City of Medford. Uh, this finance paper is actually financing just the retro portion of the contract that you had just voted. We are going to submit a paper in the future for the fiscal 20 budget impact, which will be $192,917. 
once uh, free cash has been certified and retained earnings has been certified with DOR. Move approval, Mr. President. On the motion of Council Del Russo. Second. Second by Council, Council Carviello. All those in favor? Aye. Those opposed? Oh, excuse me. Roll call vote. Yes. 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 Seventy affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Thank you, councillors. Thank you. Council Marks, did you want to take Lawrence Memorial Hospital next? Uh, nineteen dash zero two two, and then nineteen dash four eight one. Where's zero two two? Offered by Councilor Knight. Oh, we never dealt with the fixtures. The public hearing. Okay, 19-022 offered by Council tonight. Update on the Lawrence Memorial Hospital. Council tonight. Uh, Mr. President, this time I'd, yeah, I'd like to turn the floor over to representatives from the Lawrence Memorial Hospital who have been so kind to come up here uh, monthly or bi-monthly to provide us with updates as to the uh, continuing and ongoing developments at the uh, Lawrence Memorial uh, Hallmark Health Tufts New England Ambulatory Surgical Care Center. I miss anybody? <laughs> Shields MRI. Shields MRI. <laughs> Good evening. I'm Sue Sandberg, the CEO of Melrose Wakefield Healthcare, including Melrose Wakefield Hospital and Lawrence Memorial Hospital. Thank you, Mr. President you. and honorable council members for providing us with the opportunity to present before you again this evening. We are pleased to update you and the community regarding the proposed ambulatory surgery center at Lawrence Memorial Hospital. In reflection, this past year has been one of growth and collaboration in bringing forth a vision of transformation for the Lawrence Memorial Hospital campus, a vision that will allow us to continue to provide best-in-class care by delivering services that will better meet the future healthcare needs of our communities. It has been an unprecedented process of engagement and problem solving together with the community, the mayor's office, and the city council. One we deeply appreciate and believe sets the foundation for future success in our collective goal of providing high quality healthcare services for this community. As a project that will generate new tax revenue for the city and support living wage jobs while providing services in a setting that is lower cost for patients, the Ambulatory Surgery Center will be the catalyst to transform services on our Medford campus as we have described. While Lawrence Memorial Hospital remains a mission-driven, not-for-profit organization that will provide quality care locally. Since we last presented before this council, we have continued to meet with the community, including an abutters meeting and two community advisory group meetings. Thank you to the city council members who have attended these meetings. 
Ryan Fuller will provide some specifics on these meetings, including the positive developments that have been achieved, as well as items that require further discussion with our neighbors, including questions about a parking garage. To reiterate, there are no plans and no funding for the development of a parking garage. And as a reminder to the council that there is, of course, due process with you, should hypothetically there ever be a future project by any administration. Also, since we last presented, we have received the written response from the City Zoning Board of Appeals on our filing, now allowing the process to continue with the Community Development Board. And just yesterday, we received notice that the peer review on the traffic park and parking study have been completed, and we await that review by our civil engineering experts. So with this process, or progress, I am happy to turn the presentation over to Ryan Fuller. We look forward to offering this high-quality, high-level health care in a convenient location for the community. Thank you. Thank you. Second to turn this on. Didn't want to blind you. So Ryan Fuller, 170 Governor's app. Thanks, guys. I still have battery. We're good. <clears throat> so thank you. Uh, so thank you, counselors, uh, for letting us provide another update today. We greatly appreciate that, and thank you uh, for continued involvement in the uh, residents of Medford, their continued involvement in this project, and thank you to those who, have, as Sue mentioned, attended some of our meetings. Uh, so just a, a brief update today. Uh, sorry for the tilted slides. Wanted to go through um, our Butters Agreement, the meetings we talked about, and then our city process and what our next steps are going to be. So again, just a few slides here. So our continued community conversations. Um, throughout the, our community meetings and one-on-one -on -one discussions uh, during July and August, we've had robust and really constructive uh, conversations to help us develop a plan uh, to address the outstanding concerns and concerns that have been uh, raised here previously. Specifically, I'm gonna go through some of the discussions that were uh, had last night. Um, and our goal is to get to a plan that addresses all of these issues. Uh, so last night we shared a landscaping plan with the Joyce, Holmes, and Hutchins Road Group and some other direct abutters. Direct abutter, abutters. And our, our goal within that landscaping is to create a green screen between their property and the back of our parking lot. Uh, <clears throat> we also discussed the plantings that would go in the front entrance. There were a few outstanding questions as it relates to things like the size of the plants that we've taken back to our architect team. A landscape architect team, but overall great conversations uh, that will be discussed in more detail throughout the next steps and process. We also discussed, discussed noise and light mitigation and confirmed that we would meet all city ordinances on those impacted areas. On the barrier topic uh, between Holmes Road, Hutchins Road, Joyce Road, and our parking lot, um, that one, the, the neighbors who were present could not come to a resolution, and, and that's okay. Uh, the hospital presented a plan that had three tiers of an escalation uh, from 
starting from a stopping of car traffic going all the way up to a permanent fence on that existing open space. Uh, the, the, we couldn't come to an agreement on one of those, but the group did agree on the hospital producing a survey to the households on Holmes, Hutchins, and Joyce in order to get a clear vote on what the houses in that neighborhood would prefer. As Councillor Marks can attest to as he attended that meeting, uh, while the neighborhood uh, will not reach full consensus, uh, we believe the plan to survey the group will be fair and diplomatic uh, in a way to move this forward. For parking and safety, we talked about our uh, plans and policies that we've presented here previously. We also discussed our intention to continue the community advisory group even after the project hopefully opens. Uh, we see this as an immense uh, benefit of having the specific group uh, focus on LMH, how we can be a thriving facility, a healthcare facility uh, with minimal neighborhood impact. And, and then lastly, as Sue mentioned in her opening remarks, uh, the group requested that we include language that states we will not seek to construct a parking garage on the campus. Uh, though we have made great progress on all other items, this remains a sticky point and, and hard for us as stewards of the organization. Uh, we have shared that we have no intentions to construct a parking garage, and we're willing to state that in writing. The group also, the group asked that we go further to state we will forfeit the right to build a garage and restrict our future property rights. Uh, we have made incredible progress on this project, as this group knows. Uh, we have worked diligently to address all matters raised by neighbors and interested stakeholders. For example, we worked to increase our communication with our neighbors and the city. We shared our vision for the future of that campus and how we can transform healthcare for the residents of Medford. We've created and expanded the community advisory group. <clears throat> We've improved signage on the campus, and we ultimately moved the location of the surgery center due to stakeholder feedback. Working with our neighbors, this council, and the city administration to find common ground and alleviate concerns has made this project better. It really has. And the, di and the dialogue we greatly appreciate and one that will continue through our long-term commitment to our community advisory group. Our goal at Lawrence Memorial Hospital is to provide high-quality healthcare services to the residents of Medford, and we have a vision that will allow us to do that. We do not know where healthcare will go in the future, other than healthcare it will change, and transportation will both change and progress. We have concerns about relinquish relinquishing our property rights. As we shared with our neighbors, any discussion of a garage would require city approval and a public process which neighborhoods' concerns could be heard. Again, as Sue said in her opening remarks and as we shared with our neighbors, there are no plans to build, in a, build a garage and is not part of our long-term vision or capital plan. We are committed to continuing to work with our neighbors and find a resolution on this matter, and we ask you that we continue to update you as we make progress for the next couple months. Just a couple of other items uh, that came up uh, throughout our conversations uh, that require work from us and work from the city administration and potentially uh, the city council. Some concerns around pedestrian safety on Governor's Ave. Uh, as part of the project, we have committed to purchasing radar signs. Uh, that was based on feedback from the police department, but there were other questions around, is that the best use? Is it better to have a crosswalk? Um, so we'd like to get further input from the safety and traffic departments. Uh, and then accessibility, uh, and wanted to have specific conversations with the city of Medford director in diversity and inclusion, the ADA officer there. Uh, and we also want to have additional butter meetings, uh, butter meetings, specifically on the governor's app side, and continued conversations one-on-one. -on -one. That will not go away. And lastly, from the city process, uh, 
as Sue mentioned, our Zoning Board of Appeals, the finding was granted. Our Community Development Board, we were hoping to file uh, in the coming days. And then uh, if that were to go forward, we'll come back here to a City Council. So, with that, I will be done. And again, I appreciate everybody's time, and we'll take any questions. You don't need my kids on the screen. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. And I had the opportunity to attend uh, last night's meeting with LMH and uh, the Director Butters. And uh, indeed, there's been a lot of progress towards um, alleviating some of the concerns with uh, neighbors and Director Butters. Uh, the one issue, Mr. President, well, actually, there were two issues last night, uh, one being uh, an area where people could traverse through the back lot into the neighborhood. And I think that's still a work in progress, whether they're gonna put a gate, uh, a giant rock so cars can't go through, um, or some type of system uh, that won't allow uh, people to get cut right through. But the, the larger issue of contention, Mr. President, and I think still remains a major issue, is the parking garage. And the one issue I think there was consensus in the room of the 20 neighbors that were there and in my discussions with a lot of uh, the neighbors on both sides of the hospital is the fact that uh, everyone is in um, lockstep with the fact that they don't want a parking facility, a parking garage built on the premise. And uh, I just verified with the building commissioner um, if the council at our point does approve the use change by way of special permit, um, the parking garage after that becomes by right once the use is granted. So that would alleviate the hospital ever needing to come back to this body for approval for a parking garage. Uh, they may need to go before the zoning board based on dimensional requirements if, if they don't fit the dimensional requirements. Um, but however, it would take it out of the hands of the council. And uh, I think the neighborhood, in my opinion, should be very wary uh, in uh, this approval process without strong language within the conditions that will be placed on this special permit uh, that will be eventually, I hope, signed by this council, Lawrence Morrow Hospital, that stipulate no parking garage will ever be built on that lot as long as it stays within their hands. Now, if the property sold down the line, I, I don't think we can uh, have any effect on that. Our effect would be on the uh, issuing of the special permit and the conditions that would state that the hospital would not build a parking garage. Now, from what I gather from the neighbors, that's a complete, even if they address nine out of 10 conditions, lighting and traffic and everything else, waste disposal and you name it, uh, that this one issue will be a deal breaker. One issue. So I would ask the hospital, which we did last night, to circle the wagons again. Uh, they said it was based on attorneys that they have on board that said they didn't want to put anything in writing that would uh, somehow tie their hands down the line, potentially if they ever wanted to build a, a parking garage. I know they have no immediate plans, and I appreciate that. But as we all know, uh, plans are subject to change. 
um, and that very well may change. So, Mr. President, the only thing I would respectfully ask the hospital administrators that are here, if they can recircle the wagons and come up with uh, something that uh, really makes the neighborhood feel at ease regarding a parking garage. Um, I can tell you firsthand, I was around when Lawrence Moyle tried to build the parking garage at the corner of Governors and Lawrence Road, and that created chaos like you wouldn't believe, Mr. President. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what they plan on doing now, but uh, that was a huge, that was a huge issue. Um, and uh, I would hate to see after all this time that this one issue keep us from issuing a special permit, because uh, as I stated from the outset, my vote will always be on behalf of the neighborhood and quality of life, Mr. President. That comes before anything else. Miss. Madam President. Um, Councilor Carviello. Thank you, Madam President. Um, if, if we could have the building commissioner come up here and explain that uh, to us. Paul, is he supposed Mr. President, Council Members, with respect to the uh, question about the parking garage in Lost Memorial Hospital, if the hospital is granted a special permit by the City Council for the use or the Ambulatory Surgical Center, and a parking garage was proposed to be built there, uh, once the use is allowed, a garage is considered an accessory use to the, uh, to the hospital in the Ambulatory Surgical Center, and that would be allowed by right. Uh, and as Council Mark said, uh, again, without having any plans, we don't know if that would require, require any approvals by the zoning board because we'd have to uh, you know, do a complete play review on that. Well, could the language be changed that if a parking garage were uh, asked for down the line, that would have to come back before the council? I think if you, uh, to change the language on that, that would require a zoning amendment. I'd have to uh, verify that through the legal department, but I think that would require a zoning amendment to change the language of the uh, zoning ordinance. Thank you, Councilor Caviello. Uh, any other questions from the councilors? If we could please have your name and address for the record. Beverly O'Reilly, 16 Joyce Road. Um, I am a, a neighbor. I'm on the community advisory group. I appreciate everybody's uh, support. Thank you guys for all the time in the last year you guys have spent listening to us and supporting us. Thank you to the hospital for working with us to try and negotiate terms that, that are, are agreeable to all of us. Um, after spending so much time in front of you guys, and I feel like I know all of you at this point, I don't really want to have to come back here in five years. Um, if, while some of our neighbors may disagree on some of these terms, there's one thing that everybody is certain about, and that is that we do not want a parking garage in our residential single-family home neighborhood. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. So that's one thing we agree on. And um, I think it would be very generous and in goodwill if the hospital could get out in front of this and volunteer that they will not come back and ask for this in five or 10 years. My guess is that many of the hospital personnel may not be working there in five or 10 years or will have different roles. You guys might not even be here in five years. Maybe some of my neighbors will move, but I do think that the neighborhood in five or 10 years, whoever's living there will all appreciate the fact that we would not have a parking garage in our residential neighborhood. Thanks very much. Thank you. Vice President Longo-Kart. Um, thank you, President Falco. Uh, 
I think you made that a motion, um, Council Marks, to to relook at not committing to not to not putting a parking garage in. Okay, and then if we could just get an update with regards to a timeline, when will you went before the zoning board appeals? When will the um, use change be brought before the city council? Uh, well, the next step is go to community development board, and we hope to file that in the coming days, and then the clock starts there for community development board. Thank you. And while we have the Lawrence Memorial here, if, sure. if I could address an issue with regards to, uh, brought to my attention by a few residents, I'm, and I'm not sure how many people use urgent care and actually walk there, but I would assume it's uh, a significant amount of people because it's a very large neighborhood. Is there any plan, are there any plans to make um, a walkway, a small sidewalk, um, make it ADA accessible? to urgent care or any improvements um, to be able to walk there? Yeah, so I'll answer it in, in two ways. So I appreciate that question. Um, the, uh, to make it ADA accessible for the, on the, because of the ASC project, we're, we're able to make some improvements, enhancements on the Governor's Ave side, uh, which will make a, a wheelchair ramp uh, go up to, to that entrance. Uh, we'll have better handicapped parking, much closer parking for patient access. Uh, on the Lawrence Ave side, it is quite a steep hill, uh, and we've told our, our neighbors and our group, you know, we're committed to look to see what we can do uh, to make that more pedestrian safe and, and what we can do, but there's certainly some challenging topography issues there. Uh, but happy to say we're making uh, significant improvements on the Governor's Ave side, which is the main entrance of the hospital. So the Governor's Ave side will be ADA compliant and anybody in a wheelchair or, or with a disability will be able to access that, that by walking? That's correct. And can you just explain, you, looking at what could be done to the Lawrence um, roads? So if, if there's certain things we can do in the parking lot, you know, things like, um, you know, uh, better signage, crosswalks, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, working with our facilities team on that to see what in, uh, you know, traffic engineers on what, what can be done. Um, I would just like to add that to the resolution, just that that be looked at again with regards to handicap accessibility to the ur urgent care that I believe is frequently used and definitely used by the neighbors in our community. Um, that is a concern of a number of our residents um, that are disabled uh, and obviously s us that aren't. But I just think it definitely needs, we need to take a better look at it and see what improvements can be made. I know it, it, I know it is steep, um, but I just want to definitely voice that concern that's coming from the neighborhood. Thank you, Vice President Longo Kern. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, I'd just like to propose a B paper uh, requesting that the City Administration, uh, the Civic Auditorium Commission, a.k.a. Shabayar Auditorium, and the hospital meet to discuss um, a public-private partnership of potentially uh, entering into an agreement to build a garage on the Governor's Avenue lot. I know that there was a lot of discussion about a Governor's Avenue parking lot. It was there when I was a child. It fell down um, later in life, and it has not yet been reconstructed. Uh, it's something that I think would be very helpful to address some of the concerns that are in the neighborhood relative to parking, number one. Number two, I think it will also be helpful to address some of the concerns that we're seeing relative to uh, the success of the Shavaya Auditorium and what's going on down there, Mr. President. So I think this might be an opportunity for these three parties to put their heads together and talk a little bit about whether or not there's an opportunity or an option down there uh, to construct a parking garage that can be uh, done so by way of a public-private partnership that would have a significant community use but also address some significant quality of life concerns in the neighborhood. 
Thank you, Councilor Knight. Councilor Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. So, um, this project has, has come almost 100% uh, in, in the last year, and I, I'd hate to see it uh, come to an end over, um, over this garage issue. And I would like to see if the hospitals and the solicitor and the building uh, commissioner can maybe put some type of language together that would protect both the neighbors and give the, uh, the hospital uh, something with some satisfaction on their end also. Um, okay, this is, you know, this has gone on a long time and with getting so close to the end, I, I hate to see it fall apart. Uh, and I say, I think Mr. Moki, uh, Solicitor Rumley, Rumley and the hospital and the, and, the, and the neighbor committee, I think if we can all sit down, maybe we can hammer out some type of agreement that allows the project to go on, but also gives the neighbors some safeguards to protect them in the, uh, in the event, you know, 15 years down the line, uh, something changes. I'd also like to offer, um, I don't know if anyone ever goes around, but um, if anyone's ever driven by the old Choate Hospital in Wuben, uh, that, that was an old hospital that's converted into a medical, a little small medical center similar to what uh, we're trying to do here in Medford. But also what they did over there was they took some of the, of the, of the, uh, the vacant property over there and they put in an assisted living facility uh, as a, on, a, as on, on a private partnership with, I think, I think it was Sunrise. And I'd like to maybe see if, um, if someday, if, if the nursing school uh, is no longer there or something changes, maybe that, that the hospital could look in that direction to maybe uh, go into a public, uh, a private partnership with, uh, with a, uh, some type of assistant facility so you'd, you'd have it right there on the campus, similar to like the Chode Hospital uh, former site has. And I don't know if, if, if anyone's in that area, it's, uh, it's something you should see and it's a, it's a, I think it would be a, a good vision for uh, our, our property. And, I, and our property is a lot bigger than uh, the, the property in, in they, that they had in Wuben. Yeah. And I say, if, uh, I'd like to make a motion that the, the solicitor and, paper. I'm sorry? A C paper. A C paper that the solicitor, uh, the, building, the building commissioner, hospital uh, get together and try to work out some type of uh, uh, language that will protect uh, all parties involved. Absolutely. If we could please have your name and address for the record. Janet Dietrich, 38 Hutchins Road, Methin, Mass. <laughs> Hello, Councillor Delarusso. Um, good evening. Um, I want to thank President Falco, Councillor Knight, Councillor Brianna, uh, Councillor Scarpelli. Um, let's see. Council Delarusso, Council Carabiello. I can never say Carabiello. Well, thank you, um, um, <laughs> Adam, and I. Councilor Marks, I want to thank you for attending the Abutters meeting last night. That really means a lot to the um, people up in the neighborhood. Um, it's it's always nice to have you and your support. Okay, now last um, June, I haven't seen the minutes from, has the minutes been approved from the, last June? They were, the, I believe the June minutes were tabled at the July meeting will be 
up for a vote tonight. Oh, how long does that take? Uh, well, they, it happens at the end of the meeting, and they are approved usually in a 30, 30 seconds. Oh, oh it's tonight? It's tonight? Sometime Wednesday morning, Wednesday. Oh. Oh, okay. So, but they will be, they, uh, they're on the agenda to be approved, oh, to be uh, reviewed tonight. Oh, okay. All right. Um, the other thing is, somebody mentioned to me the reverse 911 was sent out this week, and um, they forgot about the hospital. They mentioned, I guess, the brewery and the um, Mr. Gav, and nothing mentioned about the hospital. Now, I have run into people from Method honestly don't have any idea what's going on because there's no information out there. The transcript doesn't write anything. Um, nothing's mailed out. And we got to get more people involved. I don't know how to get, you know, people up here. Any ideas? No? I mean, our agenda is 29 pages, 33 pages long tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 25, 25 I... pages long tonight. So, well, you um, were expecting the, me, weren't you? The, I knew you were coming. I knew you weren't going to miss this. Come you, on. Every time the hospital's here, <laughs> I haven't even gone vacation yet. I'm here. I'm here. I'm getting really uh, to know you all. And uh, I'd never even watched meetings before this happened. Huh? <laughs> All right, so I was wondering what happened with uh, the fire trucks. I know um, Councilor Marks was going to look into that. I know there were 66 uh, fire trucks um, sent to the hospital in uh, for three months since it started. Have you heard any more? No? Oh, they're keeping it from you? Point of information, Councilor Carviello. I, I think that was explained that any time there's a medical call up there, if an ambulance goes, the fire truck automatically goes with it. Right? Someone may, somebody may go into the urgent care that maybe needs more care than they can give them, and they'll call an ambulance, and the, and the fire truck automatically follows. I, that's I, common, that's the common I understand practice. that. But they're not going up there just for no reason. No, I, I do understand that, but before, <coughs> the fire truck didn't have to go there because the emergency room was there. So now, since the um, people of Method lost the emergency room, um, the fire trucks have to go up there, which it's like going to a home. Um, the, the fire truck goes to 101 Main Street several every day when there's a, when someone goes into the doctor's office and they feel that they can't be treated there, they should be transferred. By, the fire truck goes there. They they go to all the urgent care centers when that when people go there, and this and they feel that they need to be transferred to another facility. Not, they shouldn't drive themselves. The oh, ambulance comes and I, the fire truck comes. I know and I understand that, but before the city did not have to pay for the fire trucks to go up to a hospital. But we don't have a hospital anymore. There you go. Exactly. Then why is so, there a hospital on the building? Because there are still patients in there. The, there, there are this, there's still patients that sleep in there, and they're there every night. Yeah, that's inpatient psych. It's that's not correct. a general that's, that's, hospital anymore. That's still a hospital. There's still patients in there, no matter how. I still, I don't, no we I don't understand this because before we didn't. I know ambulances and fire trucks have to stick together, but, but they, now, they just don't go there because they, they, they want to go. They go there for a reason. I know, but I, 
I don't think it's right that we have to pay for them to go up there when the ER was there and an ambulance just went up there to take them. But that's that's how it works. It's mm. okay. I didn't make the rule. That's oh, I know, I know. Um, let's see. Oh, I found the um, Mueller report of method. Yeah, I um I printed out the um the determination of need. And have you all read it? No? No? I, I read parts of it earlier when it first came up. It's yeah, when we, I know, but did you all read it? Have you read it? Okay, because there's some things in here. Um, it says, a, all right, a freestanding ambulatory care center to be located on the grounds at the Lawrence Memorial Hospital. Now, um, I highlight latest stuff in here. All righty. Uh, <laughs> all right. Freestanding ASC um, defined in regulation, blah, 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 as a distinct entity that operates exclusively surgical services that do not require the availability of hospital facilities. Okay. Now it says the pro. It's an individual community, and um, to find this, but it's now in the hospital. Isn't it supposed to be freestanding? How does this work? Are they going to lease to be in the hospital? I know they're paying taxes, but are they going to lease for being in the hospital? They are going to pay. They are okay. Yes, okay. They're going to rent. Okay. Um, all right, the ASC is available to every person within the Commonwealth. Now they're mentioning, oh, the citizens of Medford. It's not just Medford, it's the Commonwealth. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of pages. The applicant expects the demand for these services to continue to increase in the future. Now, um, it says, um, determined that there are 120,590 potential patients within the ASC PSA, which means primary service area, who may need one of the ASC surgical procedures. Now, they're estimating that in endoscopy, the first year is 2,523 patients. By year four, it's going to go up to four, almost 5,000 patients just for that, for that procedure, just for that procedure, which is going to be in a not in the oper operating room. I think it's in um, the the other the treatment room. Ms. Dietrich, I just want to let you know you have about a minute. And oh, a half. please! Nobody else was up here talking. Everybody gets 10 minutes. I know you. I know. Want to be fair to um, everyone. No, the other thing on here is ASC will have a hospital transfer agreement with Melrose uh, in the event, all right, and they only have listed um, Melrose Wakefield. Mentions, doesn't mention any other hospital they could transfer to. But the big thing tonight, too, I heard they're talking about the parking garage and, of course, the, um, the traffic. Now, the parking garage, I know that 
We wanted to stay in FDASC. Now, I heard tonight, I wasn't here when they um, tabled, I guess, Mr. Gav, the variance. Why can't the ASC go in there? We still get the taxes. They could put a parking garage and not be near our neighborhood. What do you think of that, guys? No problem then, right? You, no, I'm not worried about the hospital because, no, no, they could still use the hospital for all they're planning to bring down there. All the offices, they have all the outpatients, they, they have enough in there to sustain the hospital. What do you think's been going on now? They have the inpatient site, where are they gonna go? The hospital can still be viable. Seriously, if you think about it, what's in there now? I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think the idea of a hospital on Governor's Avenue, that horse has left the barn, it's turned the corner, and it's on the final stretch. Um, Hallmark Health Lawrence Memorial Hospital, uh, Lawrence Memorial Hospital is no more. Um, so now oh, the no. question is, what's going to be there? And the proposal is the ambulatory care center. Um, if you've got a better idea for a better proposal as to what they're going to put up there, I'm sure that the people from, you know, Lawrence Memorial Hallmark Health would love to hear it, but ultimately, the hospital's gone. The hospital's not oh, coming back. Oh, I know back. the hospital's so gone. The hospital's not coming back. I know, so but they the, have... So now the next question is, what are we going to do at this location? We don't own it. They I know we it, don't. Right? So what are we going to do there? They can still keep it as outpatient. They have so much there now, they're going to be putting in on those floors all the doctor's offices. Okay, they have the x-ray, they have the lab, they have... Um, that's, an, that's a business decision that the business has to make. I know, but that, I'm saying... you're saying an asset that they I own. know, but what you're saying is they're going to eventually put in a parking garage. They're going to have to if the ASC goes in. So if the ASC does not go on that property, there's no parking garage. So there's somewhere in the city that the ASC can go, um, go, can go and... The hospital, I don't think they're going to give it up. There's so much in there now. Seriously. They're losing like $5 million a year for the last five years. Well, something could be done with that property because the neighborhood, it's just, it's a, it's a, point of information, Councilor Carviello. Done with Malden property that's been sitting vacant for 20 years. Yes. Is yeah. that what we want? We want a vacant, do we want a vacant property for 20 years? That's not what I want to see there. It's you know, the, the, ambulatory, the ambulatory care center only has four operating rooms. Yes. So but how many surgeries do you think they can do in four operating rooms a day? Well, if you read I mean, the... I um, figure it takes two hours, yeah. two hours per, per treatment. That's, that's, that's You've got to read the Mueller report here. 25, 30, 30 Because it tells you, honestly, it they tells can't, you. They can't do that many there. What, what is that document that you referred to? It's that? just not, it's not possible. Yeah. Is that, is that the call, it's, department it's actually the Department of the Determination, department and it tells you how many surgeries they expect to do in the next four years. That's the determination and need application? Yeah. You want to look at it? I have it. Sure. Yeah, look at it. They're going to have plenty of surgeries going in there, and they're not just going to have... Uh, oh. I'm going to... What? Can I respond? Oh, yeah. I know you would. So the, 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 the determination of need uh, includes our volume projections are the same, pro, you know, same projections that are used in the traffic study, in the parking study that VHB has done. 
A. B, I'm happy to have conversations with you around the business app implications around what's going on in that campus. We cannot survive without an ambulatory surgery center. The ambulatory surgery center is the catalyst to bring additional services in. Uh, we have lost multiple millions of dollars on that campus, but happy to have further conversations about what it means uh, from a hospital operations standpoint. I know, that's the problem. It's, it's a business. It's, it's taking over our neighborhood. They're, they're going to have to put a garage in there. If you recall what the parking was like when the hospital was full. Yes, back in the 80s and the 90s. The parking, the... the I agree. But the parking issue wasn't. There was a parking issue back then. I... I've lived here, I work there, I live in the neighborhood. They had to take employees off of that property plus the school of nursing, and there was still and an they, issue of parking. And they're planning on doing that again. They're going to no, put the nursing, they, nursing students yes, in Yes, but not the employees. They're not sending the employees off the campus. I think, I think they've come up with a parking plan that made everyone happy. Okay, how about a garage off the property they're and not, have them? No one's talking about a garage. I know, but... They, you said that there is a possibility. They're not going to guarantee it if they put the ASC in. And, and we'll work to make language that'll protect the neighborhood. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. They got to set a catch twenty-two. Do you do you want an empty building like Malden has for twenty years, or would you rather consult the, the thirteen acres? And how would the neighbors feel with with maybe 30, 30 or forty houses being built up there? Is that is that what people is that what the neighbors want? I mean, which we're trying to, to, to come up with a solution that makes it, makes everybody happy here. I mean, I don't know if the neighbors want want a, want a housing development up there. Is that the answer? I the, don't know. The, the people in Malden, people in Malden couldn't. They, they they don't want that. They don't want a housing development over there, and they're, and they're still fighting over 20 years later. Well, what the inpatient psych? They're going to have outpatient psych. What time are they going to? What's the last appointment for that? <coughs> because at McLean Hospital, there have been offices that, no, there have been offices. I don't, I don't think they said they were doing this inpatient, out, outpatient out, site there. Are you doing outpatient site there? So if you could please answer the question. Uh, I mean, Ms. Dietrich, you've had 15 minutes, so I have to. Oh, what can he answer? Yeah, he's got to answer yeah. the question. So so we we have inpatient the geri site there, and we, out, we have outpatient geriatricians there. And we have for a while. Yes, for years. But you're planning on bringing an outpatient psych. That's not true. Okay. That's, that's not true. Thank All you. right. Well, we'll have to look into that because that's what I read. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Council Knight? So we have a number of motions. So the first one is, and correct me if I'm wrong, offered by Council Carviello, which is a C paper. Uh, and that the resolution was that the city solicitor and the building commissioner uh, meet in the hospital, in the hospital uh, meet to uh, protect the draft draft language to protect to protect the neighborhood in the event of a garage. On that motion by Councilor Carviello, seconded by Councilor Marks. I think if we're going to have all interested parties at the table. A butter should be there. The CAG committee should be there. I mean, I think everyone should be there. Right. 
Right, right, but I'm just saying you specifically named who should be there. I understand that, but I'm just saying we've gone this far with. I, I attend the meetings. I don't have to worry about that. So uh, I'm just saying if we have parties at the table, it doesn't make sense to have the city administration along with Lawrence Memorial and leave out the above us. Uh, well, the, your resolution didn't say that. I'm just. I'm okay, so that's that's not a small minor detail. That's <laughs> a huge. So, Council Marks, you amending the resolution to include? I, I'm just offering a suggestion. Okay. My, my resolution was to have Moss Memorial recircle the wagons and come back with their own language that would prohibit them from doing a garage. Okay. So, I rather than police themselves, to be honest with you. Well, the C paper is before us first. Do you want to amend the C paper to have this, was it the CAC involved in those meetings? If he, if he wants, that's his, that's. Okay, so, so that's in the motion by Council Caviello, seconded by? I'll second that with, with the delay. Seconded by Council Delarusso. All those in favor? All those opposed, the motion passes. Then we had a B paper. B paper was offered by Council all night that the uh, city, the administration, City administration worked with the, uh, the Lawrence Murray Hospital to uh, form a public-private partnership in Shibai Auditorium Commission to um, look at a, a public-private partnership regarding governor's ag On that motion by Council and I, behind Collins. Name and address for the record. Uh, Mari Carroll, 31 Richard Street. Uh, in regards to the Governor's Ave parking lot, I believe the Chamber has already sent a letter to the Council as well as to the Mayor regarding, regarding looking at that to rebuilding the feasibility of rebuilding that garage. And that, that's something that I'm sure the Chamber would be very much uh, would like to be a part of that. You know, I believe. Um, I believe State Representative Donato said that there was uh, $5 million set aside a few years back for the reconstruction of that garage. And to the best of our knowledge is that that funding is still available. So I would ask that we would be part of any kind of Point of information, Council and I. I do believe that funding was bond bill funding, and I do believe it is still available, just like the $10 million okay. that they said they were going to give us for our police station is still needs to be released by the governor um, when it comes down to the time to get correct. the money. The governor has to authorize the borrowing right. uh, for that money. So, Absolutely. Mephidopoly. <laughs> On the motion of Thank Council you. and I, seconded by Council Carviello. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. Uh, that was, I think, an amendment to the main motion, which was offered by Councilor Marks, which was, uh, made notes all over the place, I apologize, um, to ask the administration to re-examine, I'm sorry, to ask the hospital administration to re-examine the, the commitment to not building a uh, parking garage on site and then it was amended by Vice President Lungo Kern to, uh, was it to make sure that the, uh, g uh, the Lawrence uh, Road entrance to the urgent care was handicap accessible or? Okay. On that, 
On that motion by Council Marks. Seconded by Councilor Scarpelli, as amended by Vice President Lungo Kern. All those in favor? All those opposed, the motion passes. Any other questions? Motion to revert back to the regular bill. Oh, no, we got one more, right? The brewery thing, Mike? It, while we're on the suspension. Thank you very much. Okay, 19-481. Okay, notice of a... Nineteen dash four eight one. Notice of a public hearing. City of Medford, City Clerk's Office, August thirteenth, twenty nineteen. The Medford City Council will conduct a public hearing on August thirteenth, twenty nineteen at seven PM in the Howard F. Alden Memorial Auditorium on the second floor of Medford City Hall at eighty five George P. Hassett Drive, Medford, Massachusetts, relative to a petition by Mayor Stephanie M. Burke to amend chapter ninety four zoning, section ninety four dash two, definitions to add Definitions for brewery and tasting room tap room. Section 94-148, table of use regulations in, uh, is proposed to be amended by adding use 35B, brewery, which would be allowable by right in C2, uh, industrial O and MUZ uh, districts, and by special permit from Board of Appeals in the C1 district. The full amendment is available at the office of the city clerk, Medford City Hall, room 103. Please call Medford City Clerk's office at 781-393-2425 for any accommodations by order of the Medford City Council, Adam L. Herdeby's city clerk. I, I now declare the public hearing open, and it is now open to uh, those in favor of the petition. If you could please come forward and give your name and address for the record. So right now it is open in favor of those that are in favor of the petition. And if you could please give us a brief reason as to why you're in favor. <laughs> uh, once again, Maury Carroll, 31 Richard Street. Um, I want to speak in favor of this. This is something that the city we need you know it's, it's good, just going to add to the entertainment and the city needs these kind of ventures uh, my only request would be not to limit it to c2 that you would include the c1 districts without having to go to a special permit which would open up the small business districts in the square and make it easier for any potential uh, operator to come in and be more amenable to the area to try it. So I, I would strongly recommend that you look at it also in the C1 area, not just C2 or the mixed use that doesn't even exist right now. And, and that would be limiting it to just say, you know, areas such as Mystic Avenue as it stands right now because that's the only C2 area, as far as I, I know, that's in the city of Medford. Uh, I would strongly recommend that you look at the C1 areas, also the small business districts. Thank you. Thank you. Name and address for the record. Roberta Cameron, 12 North Street. Thank you, should I speak, or 
Yes, so if you could okay. give us a brief explanation um, as why you're in favor of the petition. I, I, I think that this will be a wonderful opportunity to expand the kinds of businesses that can locate in Medford. I just want to um, encourage that the language include a provision that food can be served at the locations um, where the um, where this is taking place, um, whether that's food that's prepared on-site or off-site or by food trucks. Thank you. Thank you. Name and address for the record, please. Joan Sear, 40 Cedar Road North, exactly what she said. I approve this, and I definitely want to have food associated with the, the beer or tap room, because you can't just drink, you have to eat. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, I'm Max Heinig, uh, 5 Arden Road, Medford, Mass. I'm the co-founder and brewmaster of Medford Brewing Company. Um, in our time here, we've basically, um, you know, partnered with uh, all sorts of local charities. I've started Poetry Night at the uh, Medford um, Historical Society. I'm looking to basically um, open a tap room, not a full-on commercial brewery, a, a smaller place that basically will allow people to gather locally and will also have readings, a little bit of acoustic music, not drum kits, nothing loud, and uh, essentially would probably be you know, closing before late hours. Um, I've let everybody know what our intentions are and over 200 uh, Medford residents have contributed to raising money for us to do this. Um, I'm just excited to do something at, locally to get people to have a, a nice space to gather. It's not a place to get drunk, it's a place to taste beer um, and to have nice food and to basically interact with your neighbors. I've been teaching in Medford, this will be my 22nd year. Um, so I just want to do something really nice for the community. And this is not really, um, you know, it's not like a late night bar. Um, it's basically the, we've, we've gone to all the meetings and spoken to um, in a bunch of different times about it. And I, I think the model that, that you're looking at with the tap room is, it's a different situation. It's a, a different crowd. It's a little bit more mellow. I think it's in the spirit of the city. And I think uh, at the meetings we've attended, when they brought in the folks from Everett, we've seen that it, it could have a lot of benefits uh, for the city in general, but also just on a day-to-day -day basis, just having a space with the closing of you know, some of the, the places where we used to be able to um, you know, go to listen to music and just, just have readings and sit and talk to your neighbor, have a beer. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Thanks for listening, and I, we really appreciate all your support. Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Laurel Ruma. I live at 149 Burgett Avenue, and you may know me from the Green Line Extension. I'm as passionate about trains as I am about beer. Um, <laughs> I'd like to thank the mayor and Allie Fisk in her office, as well as all the various commissions and boards that moved so quickly to have this ordinance come before us tonight. Um, it was awesome to see so many public hearings that were packed, a lot of uh, interest and excitement in the city for breweries, tasting rooms, and tap rooms. Uh, beer is a billions, billions of dollar business here in Massachusetts, and uh, every city that has tap rooms and breweries brings it with it beer culture as well as beer money. So just to let you know, some breweries in Massachusetts charge 16 to $25 a four pack of beer, so that means more than $100 a case of beer. So the money that we're bringing into the city as well as the nor um, being known as another destination for beer is fantastic. So beer nerds like me, and we are out there, uh, and I hope that the commission got to try some and, and enjoy the time at breweries. We'll have seen that these are not drunken, rowdy nights. They could be hosting Star Wars marathons and food trucks and play dates and yoga. So 
um, breweries are definitely more of a community gathering spot as well as a place for people to spend their money and spend time in Medford. So I strongly support this and I hope you do too. Thank you. Thank you. Zach Beers, uh, 625 Fellsway West, Medford. Um, just wanted to say as an under 30 um, and as an investor in Medford Brewing that I think this is a great idea. I think Mr. Heining, he was my 10th grade English teacher at one point, um, really put it out really well. There's a lot of younger people in this town who would love to bring their money to a place in Medford and not have to go to Everett or Somerville or somebody else to, somewhere else to buy a beer. Um, and also Medford Brewing makes really good beers. I know maybe at some point there'll be another brewery that wants to open here, but that's the one that I'm thinking of and just really encourage you to move forward with this. Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> ah, good evening, uh, John Costas, 56 Haines Street, president of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, when you speak almost last, everybody always says everything you wanted to say. And as usual, I'm not gonna repeat what everybody said except the Chamber of Commerce agrees. And the big thing here is we definitely would like to see the zoning in C1. I mean, having smaller locations in Medford Square, you know, under control is, um, would be great. I think it would increase um, the hominess of Medford right now, especially after a show. It's really nice if after a show you can go down and, you know, have a drink or something. So uh, women, you know, support of the, um, the zoning. Thank you. Of this, if you can move it into C1. Thanks. President, Adam Knight, 200 Wolven Street, also a member of the council speaking as a citizen. Um, I, as one member of this body and as one citizen here in this community, feel as though uh, we are way behind the times when it comes to breweries, tap rooms, and tasting rooms here in our community. Uh, we look at our neighboring communities of Chelsea, of Everett, of Somerville, and we see multiple successful breweries, um, but the success that they bring is a success of community. Uh, it's a place for people to gather. It's a place for people to meet. Um, they, as Max mentioned, um, have a number of programming opportunities, community programming opportunities and benefits that come along with them. Uh, but most importantly, it puts people on our streets. Uh, I too think that a C1 district uh, designation should be included in this paper for the simple fact that um, it will create vibrance in foot traffic in our lower uh, downtown districts that right now are uh, seemingly uh, somewhat stagnant. And I do believe that uh, there's a lot of excitement surrounding this proposal for the simple fact that there is a community need and a community desire for it. Um, so it's incumbent upon this body to move forward on it. Thank you. Thank you. Nicole Morell, 21 Ronnelly Road. Uh, really echoing a lot of what everyone else just said. Um, these are much more than tap rooms and breweries. They're gathering spaces. You see really diverse groups of people, young families, people of all ages in these spaces. Um, and I haven't been to a tap room or brewery in this area, whether it's Everett, Somerville, Cambridge, we are not, it's not packed. So these are dollars that are Medford people are spending in the area that with a brewery with a tap room here, we can bring those dollars back into Medford and attract people from outside the city. Thanks. Name and address for the record, please. Hi, Steve Colicelli, 148 uh, Fellsway West. I just wanna come here and voice my support and thank you all for this. Um, I used to work at a brewery, so I know uh, how great they can be. They're great for not just the industry itself and the beer industry, but uh, there's a lot of trade work that goes done, uh, machine work. There's all sorts of stuff that uh, ancillary benefits of having one of these in the town. And also speaking as someone who uh, studied history and is very passionate about history, all sorts of towns used to have a brewery and we got away from that and I'm hoping this is us getting back to that. So thank you. Thank you. 
Good evening, Erin DiBenedetto, 21 Dearborn Street. I just want to clarify that um, the C1 um, permit is with the City Council and not the Zoning Board, the ZBA? Or can we make, can we make that part of the ordinance that, the, that the, the special permit go before the City Council and not the ZBA? Can that be part of this? So that way the council has control and if, they're, if it's successful, we can expand at a later time and if there are issues, the council has authority over it. Council Knight, did you have a comment? I was just a little confused as to what you said. So we're gonna have two separate layers of special permitting. We're gonna have one special permit by the city council and the other one by right for C2 and industrial zones and then in C1 will be a special permit by the council. I th yeah, I think it was more of a question than anything. Or that's what, no, it, I'm correct, that's what the speaker would like to see. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah, clarification. It, it was out there so that this council have more oversight over this um, area. And um, that way there, if there's community input, this is a welcoming area for people to come. And, you know, you can monitor what's going on. Okay. Thank you. Just something to consider. Is any, anyone else want to speak in favor of the petition? Licensing Commission. Okay, hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Anyone in opposition of the petition? Anyone in opposition? Okay. Seeing and hearing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Mr. President, uh, motion to refer to a committee of the whole. Okay, on the motion of Council Knight to refer this to a committee of the whole. Seconded by Council Delarusso, Councilor Marks. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, you know, when we uh, originally received uh, both these uh, zoning amendments, uh, I think we all took a look at it and say, the brewery tap, it's a no-brainer. And the fact that it's been through the planning board and they made a recommendation, a community development board, uh, to allow food, which was mentioned by Roberta, uh, which I think uh, goes hand in hand with any type of tap room or taste room. Um, so that language to me is perfect, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. I tend to agree with, um, you know, many of our business districts uh, in this city do need some revitalization. And what a perfect way to start off with with allowing these tap rooms in any of our business districts. Um, and to me, that's the appropriate place uh, to have this. And um, so I, I would move tonight, Mr. President, that uh, we amend the language that's before us uh, that states, uh, which would allow by right C2 and add the addition of C1. So it does not require any type of special permit. And also that uh, the language uh, add the following language after the first line of the definition of brewery, uh, the language that the facility may also provide food that is produced on site, produced off site, or produced with food trucks that are located on site. Um, I, as one member of the council, uh, you know, think this is language that's, that works, language that we've been waiting for for a long time. I don't think there's any need to procrastinate on this uh, and down the line 
we can always amend our zoning if we find something that's not working. But mm -hmm. I, I think we have a good working document here. It's only uh, two, two paragraphs long. And I would make that motion tonight, Mr. President, uh, to move approval. Thank you, Council Marks. But before, just let me actually read the response that we got from uh, the uh, John the Priest. Um, so, uh, so this is from the Community Development Board. They had a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to John C. Falco, Jr., President, Method City Council, Adam Herdeby, City Clerk, from John DePriest, Chairman of the uh, CD Board. Uh, August 7, 2019, regarding Council Paper 19-481, proposed amendment to Chapter 94 zoning to add two new definitions and additional line brewery to the principal uses set forth in the Table of Use Regulations. Following a public hearing conducted on July 31, 2019, the Community Development Board voted to recommend that the Memphis City Council adopt the proposed amendment with the following change. Add the following after the last line in the definition for brewery, the facility may also provide food that is produced on-site, produced off-site, or produced with food trucks that are located on-site. Thank you for your consideration of this recommendation. John DePriest, Chairman. CC Stephanie M. Burke, Mayor. So that, that is the, just wanted to make sure I read that publicly. That is what came to us from the CD board. Right. Councilor uh, Marks just made a resolution, but Councilor uh, Knight had a resolution that first to move this to committee the whole. Yes, uh, yes you may, one minute. Uh, the reason that I made the recommendation to refer the paper to the committee of the whole was because in recent discussions with various individuals in the community, it's been brought to my attention that there may be a prohibition for serving food that's prepared on site at breweries. So that's, that's, so you want to move so it to committee the whole discussion? I just want the legal opinion as to whether or not we could adopt that language and include it in the ordinance or whether or not it would be contrary to state law. Okay. So that's the motion by Council Knight. Right. I'd make a motion, Mr. President, that we approve it tonight with the recommendations from the Community Development Board and also by adding by right uh, a C1 zone. Okay. Please have your name and address. Hey, Mr. The President, through the CD Board, also discuss that and uh, perhaps language that they receive any other uh, required permits for uh, serving of food. Perhaps that would allay your concern about that, but that, in other words, it's just because it says uh, the ability to serve food does not mean that you don't also have to get other per uh, permits locally in order to serve food. Sure. It's just uh, to make it clear that it is allowed to have. Um, and so are you concerned about a local? No, I was concerned ordinance? about uh, state prohibition, but um, that was just came up in conversations that right. I had with individuals right. from the community this and evening who were raising the, the issue. Well, I uh, think that was one of the reasons why the idea of the food trucks came in, that uh, not necessarily that. Pre pre prepared on site, yeah. because otherwise right. it would really pretty much yeah. be a bar and a restaurant. Right. So that they, um, right, so that they have other alternates to have food there by putting this wording in, but not necessarily cooked on premises. So. Did the CD board get an opinion as to whether or not food prepared on the premises was allowable and authorized? No, they really didn't touch that because I believe that's another category. Maybe one of these other experts behind me would be able to know that. I believe that that is a different category of a liquor license that's required, a right. liquor license. That's, yeah, that was kind of what I thought, too. Um. Yes, that's fine. Council Knight. You so, you know, that, that's... You still want to move this to committee? Well, I mean, the question is, is the recommendation that the CD board made contrary to law? I, I can't answer that. Right. So, so, I mean, no, that's, can I. Uh, and neither can you, so. Um, if the question exists, then it's best, the best venue is to commute all with uh, the advice of 
advice of our council. Okay, so on the motion of- And Mr. President, quite frankly, I don't need a committee of the whole meeting if the city solicitor comes back with an opinion that says, yeah, it's all set, don't worry about it. That's fine with me. Okay, we Council Caviel. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, <clears throat> I support Council Marks's uh, suggestion that we, we allow the, the C1 in there by right uh, rather than by special permit. Uh, but also, um, when, when, we, when, we, when we do go to the Council of the Whole, if we can have a member of the Liquor Commission also on hand to answer any questions. Okay. Uh, we, we want, you know, if all three want to come or one of them <coughs> want to come to answer any questions that we may have uh, regarding this also. Okay. Thank you, Council Caviello. Vice President Longoka. Uh, thank you, President Falco. I know it's late, but with regards to, I, I agree with exploring uh, adding C1 districts. I just want to make sure we have all our um, T's crossed and I's dotted. What is the reasoning, maybe Misty Lorenzo can explain, for the mayor proposing a special permit be needed for C1? And if we include C1, I'm wondering if there's a reason why we didn't include all of C1 versus by special permit. Sorry. I just don't want to say, yes, let's have it on C1 and C2, and then all of a sudden people will be upset, you know, upset or we're missing something. Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, Vice President Long, what do I think some of the initial discussion about that was that uh, the C1 districts, which are mostly the squares, and then there's a few isolated. Uh, spots like Boston Ave, top of Elm Street, where there's other C1 districts. Uh, some of the discussion we had about that was that there were more congested areas with a lot more, more residential developments directly abutting them. So the thought to make it a special permit was to just get, have a public hearing where the abutters would have a, a you know, a, be, be officially notified by notice, give them a chance to put some input into, into the discussion before any permits were issued. That was basically the, the reasoning behind that. Yeah, and that's, when I think of it, I, you, when you think of C1, you think of the Medford Square or, you know, you think of the squares and we definitely want, this is where we want to see them in the squares um, in, and in C, C2. But yeah, I, that's what my concern is, where are C1 sections where it's highly residential and people might be upset if we allow a tap room and don't need a special permit. I'm just throwing that out to the council. Well, you, you bring it, if I may, you bring up a good point because if I remember correctly, C2, you see the top of Elm Street. That would be the gas station at the end of Fulton Street. Well, that's C1. It's C1, okay. C1. C1. Okay. Yeah, so. with the gas, exactly, right across so. from the Flynn Rink. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we maybe wouldn't want a brewery there, but we'd want the neighbors to be notified of a, yeah. a hearing to point their opinions on that. So mm -hmm. I don't know if we can add certain districts like Medford Squares, or that would have to be obviously Committee of the Whole, or we approve it tonight as is, and then make the change. I don't know what the right answer is. I just want to make sure. Um, we don't upset the neighborhoods if yeah. there's no, no special I mean, it, permit needed. It's, it's a good point because, um, you know, in the example I just mentioned, I mean, that's a highly residential area. Um, you know, if someone wanted to put in a brewery and we change it so that's allowable, then someone could do that. Yes, I believe so, but I... That's correct, and, and with uh, respect to the parking council, Marks, we, um, the proposal in front of you has the same off-street parking requirements as a restaurant does, because I think that's the closest analogy probably to you know, the practically where this use is gonna be uh, granted. And also, uh, just to carry that one step further, a lot of the C1 districts now 
as I'm sure everyone here is aware, they're non-conforming. They don't have any particular off-street parking, but as long as the use does, does not become vacant for more than two years, the uh, lack of parking is, is grandfathered in. Uh, Vice President Longo Kern, are you, you all set with your question? Just wanted to make that point, so I'll, I'll, I'll yield to. Okay, thank you. Uh, Council Della Russo. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, thus, sending it to Committee of the Whole so we can iron these things out. And uh, I, uh, I think by example earlier this evening, uh, moving swiftly on zoning related ordinance changes. <coughs> isn't uh, in the best interest of anyone. Uh, next month, we'll get to it. Uh, we can have accompaniment with council and our uh, friend, the building commissioner, and our other friend, the uh, director of community development for a brief meeting, report it out if we're satisfied, if we're this close, and, uh, and vote on it. And uh, everyone will be happy, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Della Russo. If you please have your name and address. Well, yeah, once again, Maury Carroll. Um, in regards to uh, the abutters being notified, I believe with all liquor licenses uh, on applications that all abutters have to be notified anyway regarding what the plans are for anything going into that district. So. I think the yeah, butters would have a certain, uh, they would certainly have a chance to either move approval or against uh, something going in there. I don't think it would be something that would be a surprise element to the, all of a sudden that a tap room or a brewery opens up next door to them. Uh, just to make that point of information clear. Thank you. Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, Mr. Carroll, while you're here, uh, one of the questions I had as we move forward is another resolution about food trucks. And one of the things we talked about um, I'd like to get the opinion of our, uh, our uh, business district and that one of the, the hiccups was that really protecting the C1 district with food trucks being allowed there because it's such a difficult time for a brick and mortar build, uh, restaurants mm -hmm. to maintain their occupancy and adding another competitor, uh, it sounds great, but it, you know, from what we were told, that's going to hurt our brick-and-mortar business. If something changes it um, I, I, I'm not sure that it's going to hurt it or whatever. I, I, I think it really has to go with the area that you're looking to go into. I mean, uh, if you were down um, in South Method on Main Street, would you allow a food truck to just to pull up in front because there was a tap room there and operate out of it? I think it all goes, again, uh, you know, how does it service the area? How does it, you know, right. not interfere with the neighborhood and so forth? But as of now, when we want a food truck permit, well, I it's think, a you special know what, permit through, through us. From what, I heard, from what I heard when they had the meetings here, especially from the License Commission, that they took a lot of efforts, rules and regulations regarding tap rooms and, and observance of how they were operating in Everett. You know, Medford's different. Medford has to come upon itself. Right. It's all, liquor has been a, a very taboo subject for 100 years in the city. Right, but which that, is, that goes to adding C1. That means that part of that is allowing food trucks. And uh, that, that contradicts our next. If food, I, I didn't hear that food trucks were part of the tap room uh, concept. Well, if 
part of the ordinance. Am I wrong that it says They're that? Ju they had just, they had just talked about food. Yeah, food trucks. Okay. You know? Produced with food trucks. Okay, I'm just... Yeah, my, I'm, I'm my, not sure. Uh, that was my sticking point to the fact that I know that brick-and-mortar issues, questions out of C1, out of Method I think Square somebody, especially, so... There, there were some that did question food trucks coming into their neighborhood. Right. Would it affect it? You know, to me, I don't look at it that way. We operate, we do our own thing, right. and, you know, that the more the question. merrier. All right, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Name and address for the record. Roberta Cameron, 12 North Street. Just very quickly, I wanted to sort out the, the question about food trucks being related to these businesses, is that the language I think that the planning, that the um, Community Development Board um, recommended was that the food truck would have to be located on the site of the business. So in the C1 districts, I don't know how many businesses there are that have space on the property of the business where the food truck could be able to locate there. Thank you. Okay, so the motion was by Councilor Knight to move this to Committee of the Hall, seconded by Councilor Delarusso. All those in favor? Roll call vote has been requested. It would be to move this to the Committee of the Whole. Clerk Herdebees, please call the roll. Yes. Six in the affirmative, one in the negative. The motion passes. We will schedule a committee of the whole sooner than later to make sure that we can go through this and resolve, resolve all the questions that we have. Councilor Knight, you had a question. Uh, Mr. Councilor Marks. I, I, one minute. I would just uh, like for my no vote, Mr. President, reflect yes. the fact that I wanted to pass that tonight uh, with those amendments, Mr. President. And Thank didn't you. think there was a need for a committee of the whole. Thank you, Councilor Marks. Uh, Councilor Knight, you had asked before. Uh, Councilor Knight. Two items, Mr. President. Um, number one, um, because this is a zoning amendment governed by Chapter 40A, we have 90 days from the date that the planning board has made its recommendation to this council mm -hmm. to act on it, or the matter will have to start over from scratch. So I'd like to be sure that we keep a conscious eye on that timeline. Absolutely. In number two, um, we have a similar paper that I introduced this evening, 19514, relative to uh, requesting that a committee of the whole be held to move forward on paper 16604 entitled the Mobile Food Truck Ordinance, which I filed to go hand in hand um, with this brewery uh, zoning amendment, Mr. President. Um, so I'd ask that uh, this paper be taken up and referred to the same committee of the whole uh, that we're going to have when uh, we take up the brewery discussion so that we can have uh, two pieces of legislation that are working uh, intertwined with one another. So 19-514 offered by Council tonight. Be it resolved that the Memphis City Council hold the Committee of the Whole meeting to move forward on paper 16-604 entitled the Mobile Food Truck Ordinance. On the motion of Council tonight to move this to uh, Committee of the Whole. Seconded by Council Del Russo. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? This has been moved to Committee of the Whole. Well under under suspension. Uh, Vice President Lungo Kern. 19536, 19537. 19-536, August 7th, 2019, to the Honorable President and members of the Method City Council. City Hall, Method, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your Honorable Body 
confirm the appointments to the Community Preservation Committee as follows. Jones, Joan M. Sear, 40 Cedar Road North, to a three-year term. Casey Haggerty, 43 Ashcroft Road, to a three-year term. Copies of their resumes have been provided to you. Thank you for your consideration. Sincerely, Stephanie M. Burke, Mayor. On the motion of Councilor Delarusso, second of I. I just want to point out. Yes, please. Uh, that we have the. Um, you want to step forward for a minute? We'll just let letting people know they waited this long. A absolutely. If we we have the ladies that have been working and work for this uh, Community Preservation Act um, diligently for a long time, and they've done a great job. And you're here tonight. Thank you for waiting. Um, we've read your resumes, um, and I agree. We need to move approval so you can continue the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for all your hard work. Uh, it, it's, uh, I know there's a lot of work on that commission. And uh, thank you for your patience in staying here tonight. I know it's a late night. Um, on the motion of Vice President Longo Kern, seconded Aye. by Council Carriello. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. 19-537, August 7, 2019, to the Honorable President and members of the Medford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body confirm the appointment to the Method License Commission as follows. Alan Matarana, 25 Blakely Road, term to expire June 1st, 2021. Copy of Mr. Matarana's resume has been provided to you. Thank you for your consideration. Sincerely, Stephanie M. Burke, Mayor. Councilor Marks. Uh, th this is a reappointment of Alan Matarano to the licensing board. Yes. He's done a tremendous job, Mr. President, and has been a real big asset uh, on that particular board. And I step forward for a uh, motion of approval, Mr. President. Thank you, Council Marks. On the motion of Council Delarusso, seconded by Council Marks, that uh, Mr. Matarano be uh, reappointed to the Metro License Commission. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. Point of order, Mr. President. Point of order. Mr. Delarusso, uh, Councilor Delarusso. Given the lateness of this meeting, uh, we have just one more hour nearly uh, before it is Wednesday, and I urge you to take up uh, item number 19-512 before that hour, lest we be in violation of time constraints to announce a uh, preliminary election. Uh, this motion is offered by the venerable Vice President. Thank you, Councilor Delarusso. Motions, orders, and resolutions 19-512, offered by Vice President Lunga Current City of Medford, call for city election. Be it ordered that in accordance with the provisions of general laws of Massachusetts in the revised charter of the City of Medford, insofar as the latter is applicable, the city clerk be and he is hereby authorized and instructed to notify and warn such of the inhabitants of the city of Medford qualified to vote in the law requires to assemble at the several polling places as designated in this order for and within the several precincts where they are duly registered voters on Tuesday, September 17, 2019. Then in there to give their ballots for the nomination of respectively seven members uh, of the city council to serve for a two year period for the first Monday in January 2020 to the elected uh, to be elected by and from the qualified voters of the city city at large 
We have further resolved that the following named polling locations be and they are hereby designated to be used at the city election to be held on Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. The said polling places to be open at 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. voting precincts, Ward 1, Precinct 1, Andrews Middle School, 3000 Mystic Valley Parkway. New rules. Ward 2, Ward 1, Precinct 2, Firefighters Club, 340 Salem Street. Ward 2, Precinct 1, St. Francis Parish Center, Bellsway West, and Fulton Street. Ward 2, Precinct 2, Roberts Elementary School, 35 Court Street. Ward 3, Precinct 1, Lawrence Memorial Hospital, 170 Governors Ave. Ward 3, Precinct 2, Temple Shalom, 475 Winthrop Street. Precinct, uh, Ward 4, Precinct 1, Tufts University, Gantcher Center Rear, 161 College Ave. Ward 4, Precinct 2, Walking Court, Auburn and North Streets, uh, Fondacaro Center. Ward 5, Precinct 1, Columbus Elementary School, 37 Hicks Ave. Ward 5, Precinct 2, Columbus Elementary School, 37 Hicks Ave. Ward 6, Precinct 1, West Medford Fire Station, 26 Harvard Ave. Ward 6, Precinct 2, Brooks School, th uh, 388 High Street. Ward 7, Precinct 1, Mystic Valley Towers, North Building Entrance. Ward 7, Precinct 2, McGlynn K-8 Public School. <coughs> Ward 8, Precinct 1, Senior Center. I'm sorry, that, uh, the last one, the, uh, Ward 7, Precinct 2, McGlynn K-8 Public School is located at uh, 3004 Mystic Valley Parkway. Ward 8, Precinct 1, Senior Center, 101 Riverside Ave. Ward 8, Precinct 2, South Medford Fire Station, 0 Medford Street. On the motion of Vice President Lungo-Kern, seconded by. Second. Councilor Caviello, all those in favor? Aye. All those opposed, the motion passes. Motion will be back to regular business, Mr. President. <laughs> okay. Mark me in opposition, Mr. President. Okay. So you have another public hearing. Hearings. Uh, notice of a public hearing. 19-487, petition for grant of location National Grid, North Andover, Massachusetts. Underground electric conduits sustaining and protecting fixtures, Medford, Massachusetts. City Clerk's Office, you are hereby notified that by the order. Motion to waive the remainder of the reading and uh, ask the petitioner to give us a brief synopsis, please. Yes, if we could please have the representative from National Grid come forward, give your name and address, and a brief synopsis of. Uh, Okay, uh, Brennan Powell, 170 Medford Street, Malden, Massachusetts, National Grid Electric. Uh, this petition before you today is to relocate and extend some existing duct to the south side of College Ave. Um, the pole at seven, uh, pole 750 on the drawing is going to get relocated to the south side of the street, as long as with the rest of the poles on College Ave for four or five sections. This is in conjunction with the GLX project. The people from the Green Line are going to be changing around how that north side of the sidewalk on College Ave is laid out. They're going to add a bus lane. Um, so 
We've made an agreement with Tufts to essentially put the poles on the back edge of the sidewalk on Tufts University property, thus freeing up more sidewalk space to make them all ADA compliant. Um, and just, so, but that's the larger picture. The petition before you is just to extend the duct to where that new pole line's gonna be. Um, ideally, this for us, we would do this at night. We get in there, get out of there. You know, didn't even know we were there. Repave the street. All looks perfect again. Um, we, the National Grid's not gonna be paving curb to curb. It's just gonna be over the trench that we do, but I know that the center of that intersection's already been completely redone. I think that was like last summer that we got um, both repaved and uh, they redid all the sidewalk lines on it. I know that the green line is gonna do a lot of work on that end of the bridge there. So we're not gonna disturb the pavement that was just done. We're serving the old stuff, but um, I just don't remember correctly exactly the extent of what they were gonna do in terms of traffic improvements for that intersection. It's my understanding that they're removing the north end, the north side of the sidewalk, and that's gonna become part of the street, so I, I believe they're gonna do a lot of paving and they're gonna make it look right, so. Um. Okay, uh, so thank you for the brief synopsis. Um, so I declare the public hearing open. Open to those in favor of the petition. Thank you. Uh, name and address for the record for anyone that's in favor of the petition. Deputy, okay. Just name and address. Uh, Brennan Powell, 170 Medford Street, Malden, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm in favor of this petition. Thank you. Anyone else in favor of the petition? Hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the hearing closed. Anyone in opposition of the petition? Anyone? Uh, hearing and seeing none, I declare this portion of the uh, hearing closed. On the motion of Council Mark, seconded by Council Knight, to approve the petition. All those in favor? All those opposed? The motion passes and the petition's approved. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> On the motion of uh, Council Marks to table 19526, uh, petition by Anthony D'Antoni. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Council Knights opposed? The motion's tabled. Thank you, Council Delarusso. 19-513 offered by Council Knight. Be resolved that the Medford City Council extends it, extend its deep and sincere condolences to the family of Vincent Piero on his recent passing. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, Representative Piero, uh, someone that's well known in this community, someone that's uh, dedicated a large portion of his life to public service. Uh, here in the city of Medford, Somerville, and, and the like. Um, Mr. Pirro 
in only the way that he could do it, um, passed away, but he went out on his own terms, Mr. President. Uh, I've known Vinny for as long as I can remember. He was a classmate of my father's in elementary and high school, um, and I'm very familiar with uh, the family. I want to ask my council colleagues to support me in extending our deep and sincere condolences to uh, Lisa, Michael, and Vince on their recent loss. Um, for any of us that knew Vinny, uh, they knew that uh, he was quite a presence. When he walked in a room, you knew he was there. Um, he was someone that uh, certainly knew how to make somebody feel important, somebody that knew how to make somebody feel special, and someone that treated me uh, with great respect over the years. I learned a lot from him, and um, he's going to be sadly missed, Mr. President. So I'd ask my council colleagues to join me in extending our deepest and sincere condolences to the family in his recent passing. Thank you, Councilor Knight. Council Caviel. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I know, I know, I've known Vinny uh, Piero for a long time, uh, uh, both as a friend and a fellow Kiwanian. And when I when I first joined the club, uh, I got to sit with him uh, for my probably my first 10 years of being a club, and, and to sit there and listen to um, stories he would tell about his days in the legislature, and uh, it was quite remarkable uh, some of the accomplishments he did. Uh, it's probably one of the reasons I sit here tonight, because. Uh, how the story how he met of the many people that he's helped over the years, and I think that was an inspiration to me to, as, a, as a young man uh, to want to be here tonight. And again, I, as I have known him for many years, his family, um, and say both as a uh, friend and a Kiwanian, uh, my condolences go out to his family. Thank you, Council Caviello. Council Della Russo. Mr. President, I had the honor to know uh, and uh, uh, be friends with Finney as well. Um, and. My dad and he served in the legislature together and also were Kiwanians together. And Vinny was a great guy, as uh, my colleagues have mentioned. Uh, and he, as uh, Rick said, he helped people. He did the work of public service. He did the work of legislation. And always uh, in mind serving uh, other people, making their lives better. And people were loyal to Vinny. Um, and it was evidenced by uh, the turnout for his uh, uh, wake and funeral, uh, the loyalty that uh, people had to him, uh, and the gratitude that they carried uh, in their hearts uh, for his goodness that he did towards them. Thank you, Council Delarusso. Um, I knew uh, Vinny as a member of the uh, Medford Kiwanis, and um, uh, really nice guy, always giving back. And I, I specifically remember him each year raising money for Globe Santa. That was his, his thing, and he raised thousands and thousands of dollars for Globe Santa, making sure that people, or actually young kids that were not fortunate to, to have gifts around Christmas time, that made sure that they got gifts. And that was something that was always important to him. Uh, he was always uh, raising money for Globe Santa. It was a big part of, uh, of, 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 of what he did. He was very generous, always giving back. Um, so he will uh, sorely be missed, um, good friend, and I just want to say thoughts and prayers to, uh, to his family. At this point, I'd like to ask everyone to please rise for a brief moment of silence. On the motion of Council Knight to table 19515 and 19516, seconded by 
Council of Arcs, all those in favor, all those opposed, those papers are tabled. 19 uh, 517 offered by Vice President Lungo Kern. Be it resolved that Paul and Michelle Garrity be congratulated on their 50th wedding anniversary. Vice President Lungo Kern. Thank you, President Falco. 50th wedding anniversary is quite an accomplishment, um, and I want to congratulate them. I'd also like to just amend it to um, be able to pick up accommodation to de deliver. Absolutely. If I may. Sounds Thank good. you, Mr. Clerk. <laughs> Move approval. Council Marks. Mr. President, I too would just like to congratulate the Garrities. You could meet a kinder, gentler couple, and I wish them well, Mr. President. Great. Well, congratulations to the Garrities on their 50th wedding anniversary on the motion of Vice President Longo Kern, as amended by Vice, Vice President Longo Kern, seconded by Council Marks. All those in favor, Aye. all those opposed, Aye. the motion passes. Uh, one 19-518 yeah, offered by Vice President Lungo Kern. Be it resolved that Peter Houck be invited to the next Memphis City Council meeting or a committee of the whole meeting to provide the City Council with an update regarding the airplane noise so that the Council is fully informed and on the same page. Uh, Council, uh, Vice President Lungo Kern, just to let you know, um, I, I did reach out to um, uh, the administration and they reached out to uh, Peter Houck and to Luke Preisner, our members uh, on the... Um, uh, was it Logan Airport and uh, Massport uh, committees uh, that help us advocate for, um, I'll say, quieter skies. Diversion. Uh, exactly. Actually. And uh, so, um, so uh, they, they've been helping us, and uh, they will be at a committee of the whole meeting on September 24th, 6 p.m., room 207, City Council office, um, and they, uh, they, they, will be, they will both be present. Um, it was tough getting their scheduling to actually yes. make sure they were both at the meeting. Um, they're both very busy and uh, mm. they give a lot of their time, but they said they would both make it to the 20th meeting on the 24th. But um, I just wanted to let you know that. That's already been posted by a clerk as well. Uh, Vice President Longo Kern. Yes, thank you, President Falco. Uh, that's what opportunity. Thank you. I was going to use this opportunity to announce the meeting on the, because um, kind of did it in conjunction. On September 24th, 6 p.m., Luke and Peter are so educated on the topic, and I think we try to inform the city with what we knew, which came secondhand from me through, to me through Luke um, at the last meeting in July, and it was just, it was not enough, and I think that it, this is such a serious issue, and people are really suffering, especially those that live right under the direct path that I, that I think this is the best avenue. Hopefully that will, and it's great, that meeting will go live so residents can watch from home or yes. attend the meeting here at 6, 6 p.m. Um, to hear from Peter and Luke and ask any questions they have. Um, so I appreciate that, thank you. No problem. On the, on the uh, motion of Vice President Lungo Kern, seconded by Council Marks, all those in favor, all those opposed, the motion passes. 19-519 offered by Vice President Lungo Kern. Be it resolved that after the public has the opportunity to speak, that the Memphis City Council, oh, Memphis City Council can continue the public hearing regarding a rezoning of Mr. Gab until a time that the zoning consultant is hired. Uh, yes, President Falco, I put this on. This is now moot. This is something this is, I asked for. This is the third or fourth time I'm putting it forward, and it finally happened tonight. Thank goodness. So this is, is this withdrawn then? Uh, receive in place on file. Okay, on the motion of. Uh, Vice President Lago Kern, seconded by Council Marks, that the 
The resolution be received and placed on file. Those in favor, all those opposed? And with regards to 19520, uh, if that could also be sent to committee, the point of this resolution was to, sh to show that substance has not been discussed with regards to the rezoning, Mr. Gav. These aren't these are just recommendations that I've heard people discuss, that I've, I've been interested in, some of them, and they, they're things that need to be discussed along with a whole host of other issues. So I, I'm going to read this really quick just so everyone knows. Uh, so 19-52 offered by Vice President Longo Kern, be it resolved that before Mr. Gav is rezoned, the Memphis City Council meet with the zoning consultant to discuss, one, limiting the height of potential hotels or residential buildings to four stories. Number two, requiring 50% commercial along Mr. Gap Corridor. Number three, reducing the distance that is proposed. Number four, requiring the residen residential be 25% home ownership. Number five, requiring that the residential be 25% affordable housing. Number six, requiring union labor with a local hiring preference. Um, um, Vice President Longo Kern, did you want this to go to, uh, is it Committee of the Whole? Uh, to the committee oh. that is gonna oh, discuss to the this zoning. with the zoning consultant. Okay. Committee of the Whole, I would assume, yeah. Probably in January 1st. This is an excellent starting point, though, because the postal issues of this, this project that needs to be dealt with, and we have a resolution touching on that. I, I think uh, perhaps one of the most essential elements. But before we move on to that resolution, we're going to hear from Council and I. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. I'd just like to ask for an opinion from uh, the city solicitor regarding item number six. Uh, you won't find uh, anybody that supports union labor more than me uh, in terms of uh, someone that believes in the tenants of uh, organized labor. However, um, recently I do believe that um, a couple of members of the Walsh administration were uh, convicted um, relative to exerting undue influence um, with the Boston Calling concert um, relative to requiring the use of union labor. And I just want an opinion from the solicitor as to whether or not this is something that we can do at this level based upon okay. um, the recent determination by the higher court. Do you want a copy of this to go to the city solicitor? I'm just the, that, just item six. Just item six, okay. So, so uh, we can have an opinion of when we start our deliberations. Okay, on the, on Second the, it. the motion of uh, vice, uh, oh, motion by me, approval. Motion of Vice President Longo Kern, seconded by Council Delarusso. All those in favor, all those opposed, the motion passes. One I 521, offered by Vice President Longo Kern, be it resolved that the Memphis City Council get an update with regards to whether. The mayor's office will be following through with the Memphis City Council's request to conduct a traffic study of the Mystic Ave area, as well as research the impact on our schools if thousands of, of additional units are added to Mystic Ave. Vice President Lungo Kern. Um, thank you, President Falco. If we could also move this, well, I guess get it get an answer from the mayor, mayor's office on this because I think it is important that we start doing these studies now because if we time it and the zoning consultant is hired in the mid to late fall, which I feel like is the timeline now, we want to make sure we ha have all the information we can at the, as soon as we can to start this process. So if we could move, uh, move approval on this paper, paper um, traffic study schools is extremely important, extremely important issues and um, have to be have to be discussed. The motion of Vice President Longo Kern, second by Councilor Marks, all those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. 19-522 offered by Councilor Caviello. Be it resolved that the Medford City Council request that the DCR clean the roadway and median area by the Route 16 overpass in the interest of public safety. 
Vice President, I'm sorry, uh, Councillor Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, um, Route 16 uh, overpass, um, if you could go by there right now, there's an air conditioner on the side of the road, there's a cot on the side of the road. Um, was there a bike there too I missed? Um, the weeds have grown five feet tall, you can't see anything. It looks like a mess there. That whole uh, section there uh, is, is vastly overgrown and needs to be cleaned up um, in the interest of public safety. Before somebody runs that air conditioner over with their car and, and, and uh, gets hurt. So if we could um, either, have the DC, either, either have our people do it or the DCR do it, but it's got to get done immediately. Thank you, Councilor Caviello. On the motion of Councilor Caviello, seconded by May I? Councilor, oh, name and address for the record, please. Thank you. Castaneri, Cushion Street, Method, Massachusetts. East Method, correct, Councilor Delarusso. So, um, Councilor Caviello, are you talking about the 16 overpass by the new police station? Yes, the, the, the overpass that goes over Main Street. Thank you. And you mentioned weeds. The weeds, the air conditioner there. The air conditioner, I did not know. Uh, I, was, I was at the coffee hour at the Senior Citizen Center uh, with, <coughs> when the mayor was speaking, and uh, Dr. Storella mentioned to the mayor that Andrew brought up a good point about that high incident of traffic and, and, and traffic accidents at that location. So. Dr. Sorella said my suggestion was is to have a right turn only coming from South Street onto Main Street. And uh, the mayor had said, Andrew, you must have a bug in my office. And she said, we were talking about some sort of way to fix that problem. And, uh, and I said, no, I told Chief Sackle this four years ago at the police crime watch meeting. So anyways. Point of information, Councilor Scarpelli. This is this is still in with the Department of Transportation because this is part of their study as we're looking at that whole corridor and talking about cutting through and doing that cut through. Right, now you can't do it anymore. So they can't do what? Sir? You're not supposed to go straight through anymore. Really? Yeah, so they... So the mayor, I guess she was accurate? That's already exists. Right, they just did that. Okay, well, as I told the mayor, that takes care of one-third of the problem. We still have a... He's still <laughs> stopping the center of that... Main Street, and that's even where more accidents happen because you're hanging around to take that left at the Method Square. However, right turn only would be a solution, but Chief Sackle says he had his own ideas, and I'm not sure where that went. But it's a dangerous situation. So anyways, I mentioned to the mayor, I said, please, I was at that intersection trying to get onto Main Street, and I said, as Councilor Caviello brought up, the weeds are like taller than I am, that's for sure. I can't see through the weeds. It's tough enough with all the accidents. It's probably the most notorious place for accidents in the whole city. But, and she said, oh, she had a girl, Deanna, I believe, take a note of it. I went by a week and a half later yesterday. As far as I can recollect, the weeds are still there. So thank you, Calviops. Councilor Caviello, please, thank you very much. Hopefully, if I had a Skype, I would take care of it myself. Thank you for listening. Thank you. On the motion of Councilor Caviello, seconded by Councilor Knight. All those in favor? All those opposed? The motion passes. Petitions, presentations, and similar papers. 19-527, petition by Brian Dundon, Vice President of RJ O'Connell and Associates Incorporated, 
to request to relocate the existing MBTA bus shelter located along the property frontage of 61 Locust Street. <clears throat> if you could please have your name and address for the record. Thank you for being so patient. If you would. Good evening. Uh, for the record, my name is Brian Denden. I am a site civil engineer with RJ O'Connell and Associates. I'm here tonight on behalf of the project applicant, the Hanover Company, uh, regarding uh, a request for the City Council to relocate an existing MBTA bus shelter from one end of the site to the, to the opposite end at property located at 61 uh, Locust Street in Medford, Mass. Uh, the City Council may, may, un, may be aware that this property is, current, is, is the former Shaw's supermarket site that is currently, undeveloped, un, currently under development for a mixed-use uh, project comprised of five-story uh, residential apartments with commercial uses on the first floor. Uh, the project applicant has received all his required permits to construct, and, and as I mentioned, it is currently under construction, but the permits were conditioned uh, such that uh, we come back before the board to seek approvals to uh, relocate the existing bus shelter. The bus, the bus shelter is requiring relocation as part of the, again, part of the site plan conditions or permit conditions where word that we commit to performing certain roadway improvements to Locust Street. Uh, as a result of performing those uh, improvements, which uh, were designed by the project applicants, design team consultants, uh, it was performed in accordance with the uh, street, P street complete streets policy within the city of Medford, as well as incorporated the MBTA bus stop uh, design guidelines. Uh, as a result of that, we have a conflict with its current location. We're requesting approval to relocate it approximately 245 feet in a northerly direction, which would be towards the Riverside Avenue uh, intersection portion of the pro uh, property. So it still remain along the property frontage of, of Locust Street, which is closer to the Riverside Ave. Uh, we have submitted as part of the package uh, documentation from both the traffic commissioners. We were in front of the traffic commissioners at their May meeting. Uh, they have voted to approve the improvements that are being planned for Locust Street with the condition that we be come, come before the board tonight to seek approval for the relocation of the MBTA bus shelter. Uh, in addition to that, there is correspondence in the package from the MBTA approving the location as well. Uh, that is a summary of the, of the request before you. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions the council may have. Thank you. Councilor Marks. <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, currently what exists there now is a covered bus shelter, correct? That is correct. And this will be replaced with another covered bus shelter? That is correct. Okay. And um, residents of Mystic Place... Uh, many uh, of which traverse uh, to Wegmans and so forth, end up using uh, the path along 
the uh, property that's being developed and the Leconte rink. There's a, a, a narrow uh, walkway, as you can see from your rendering, yes. Um, any reason why the bus stop wouldn't be located closer to the walkway that residents from Mystic Place use uh, rather than putting it on the opposite side? Uh, yes. Uh, the reason why it was moved in a northerly direction as opposed to a southerly direction was that the, the MBTA bus route, as it takes its left or right down Riverside, travels southerly down. Its first stop is at 61 Locust Street. Once it's picked up or dropped off its passengers at Locust Street, it then makes a left-hand turn into Meadow Glen. If we pushed the bus shelter in a southerly direction, it does not allow adequate length for the bus to pick up its passengers, uh, take the left-hand turn, and hit uh, Meadow Glen Mall, because it accesses Meadow Glen Mall, what I call the central driveway, which is in front of Wegmans. Uh, so it, it, needs the, it needs the queue length to be able to safely navigate, picking up the passengers, taking, uh, exiting the 61 Locust Street bus stop, get into the proper lane to take the left turn into uh, Meadow Glen Mall. So was this a recommendation of your firm or was it a recommendation of the T? The T approved the, the I, location. I, I know they approved present. it, but who made the original recommendation to move here, to move the, to this location? We, uh, we, our office had it in a southerly direction. The MBTA, upon their review, required it, requested and required it to be moved in a northerly direction by about 245 feet. Okay, the, the, the reason why I bring that up is, if you're familiar with this intersection here, that's a very dangerous intersection, believe it or not. And I think it's beneficial to have the stop midway up the street because of the distance where you can see, uh, you know, people crossing to get to the bus stop um, there, there, uh, are there crosswalks there currently? I, I know within your plan it looks like it shows a crosswalk. There, there is a, there is a mid, I believe there is a mid-block crosswalk, but as part of the uh, improvements to Locust Street, the mid-block crosswalk is being eliminated and two new crosswalks are being installed that will, uh, that will be operate under a flashing pedestrian, um, signal device. And, and where will those be located? Uh, at both ends of the new crosswalk locations, one at the northern southern end, southerly ends of the uh, curb cuts. So, so the rendering here shows this new crosswalk then? That is correct. Okay. So, so currently right now there's nothing that exists there? That is correct. Okay. And uh, are, are you familiar with any future plans for the lot behind the bank or the bank lot itself? I am not aware of any redevelopment plans, no. Okay, okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Councillor Delarusso. I just want to point out that the um, plans for the improvements on Locust Street uh, seem to incorporate pedestrian, sensitive, and friendly uh, devices, and I think that's noteworthy. Second. Thank you, Councillor Delarusso. On the Council Knight, did you? Move approval. On the motion of Council Knight, seconded by Council Delarusso. All those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. If you went first, you would have got 100 questions. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um,
Mr. President, request that we take paper 19495 off the table. 19-495. I was on it. I was not here to present it uh, oh, due yes. to an illness. 19-495 offered by Councillor Carviello. Discuss roadway at the bus stop at 35 Riverside Ave. Councillor Carviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President um, Riverside Ave, and uh, where all the buses uh, go, there is a probably a, a six or eight, six or eight-inch mound uh, from where the buses go that people are constantly tripping and falling over. Uh, it's not the first time it's been there, uh, but it's now it's gotten to the point where it's actually they painted over it so people can uh, so people don't fall over it. And I, I would think it's uh, at some point I don't know whether it, it's the city's responsibility to do that or the T uh, whose buses are, are heavy that are causing the roadway to uh, the buckle like that. So uh, in the interest of public safety, before somebody uh, falls and, and uh, gets hurt seriously over there. Um, I would, I, I would hope that the city would, or the T would, re, would grind and repair uh, that section of roadway uh, into its original flat state versus uh, a, six, a six or eight inch uh, roll that's currently there now. And that would be in front of, we say, in the cutout where the buses go in, where the donut shop is and the smoke shop. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a real high lift there. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it needs to be repaved. But say whether it's a team responsibility or the city's, it's got to be done soon. Thank you. On the motion of Councilor Carviello to take 19495 from the table, all those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? Thank you, Councilor Carviello. On the motion of Councilor Carviello, seconded by Councilor Marks, all those in favor? Aye. All those opposed? The motion passes. Uh, let's see here. Did we get everything? We have four committee reports. On the motion of Councillor Knight to, council, to table the committee report, seconded by Vice President Longo Kern. All those in favor? All those opposed? Those committee reports are tabled. <laughs> the records. Is it, we just got a record? This is a long agenda. Records. Okay, uh, the tabled records of the meeting of June 25th were passed to Councilor Marks. Councilor Marks, how did you find those records? On the motion of Councilor Marks to approve the records. Seconded by Councilor Scarpello. All those in favor, all those opposed, records are approved. Councilor Delarusso. I'll withhold my remarks. Okay, um, just give me one minute. The records of the meeting of July 16th were passed to Councilor Scarpelli. Councilor Scarpelli, how did you find those records? On the motion of Councilor Scarpelli to approve the records, seconded by Councilor Knight. All those in favor? All those opposed? Those records are approved. Councilor Delarusso, thank you for waiting patiently. Some people were here earlier in the meeting uh, with concerns. I, I, I didn't see any suspended papers present or. Um, uh, their presence on the uh, council calendar, but they had some concerns about uh, Sanctuary City. Uh, do you uh, know anything about that? I think it's something that they should present themselves uh, to the clerk's office and petition to be heard if they have uh, actual concerns uh, so that they can be properly addressed before this uh, August body. 
Thank you, Councilor Delarusso. I was not aware of anything being on the agenda, so. Um, thank you. But, um, the, the clerk was not either, so thank you. On the motion of Councilor Scarpelli to adjourn the meeting, seconded by Vice President Lungo Kern. All those in favor? Aye. Meeting adjourned. Aye.